For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Sorry, guys, we're going to just be delayed a little bit here to start. I'm reading about Robin Leonard of the Vegas Golden Knights filing for bankruptcy. And then also the fact that he apparently owns an exotic snake farm as part of his uh, bankruptcy filing. So, you know, if you ever want to get into the exotic snake business, apparently Robin Leonard uh, is your man to do that. So there's the breaking news of the morning here in the NHL world. That's Robin a lot Leonard. to unpack there, boys. Like, <laughs> Well, uh, it gets better, first... Ezzy. The guy that he – hang on, let me just make sure I'm reading this accurately uh, – the the guy that Robin Leonard bought the exotic snakes from was subsequently murdered by his wife and sentenced to 16 years in prison. How could so, he be sentenced to 16 years in prison if he was murdered by his wife? The wife was the thank you, David. There, there was a the dangling modifier there, or a, a misplaced Why? modifier, but whatever it was, uh, the wife was sentenced to 16, 16 years in prison. Did she feed him to the snakes? Uh, it does not appear as though she fed him to the snakes, but at some point in time, uh, the snakes lost value uh, because the snakes began breeding amongst one another in an unsupervised, uncontrolled manner, causing the collection of snakes to lose value. That's uh, murder worthy. I'll tell you one thing. I hate snakes. Of, 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 of all the things sort of in the world, Snakes are are up there in terms of things that I just have no time for. They're yeah. Drew, just... the snakes in Manitoba are usually just garter snakes. Like you don't have to be the, look, you know that worried about. No, I'm joking. The Manitoba no, ones are fire. Are, are the look? That's why I like living in Manitoba. I'm not worried about you know about the a collection of snakes. You know, coming to. Do you, you like know, Jake the snake, Drew? Uh, you know, I. I, I what about I, Damien? I don't really have. I've never met either of them, so I really have no way of saying one way or the other. There is the story about. Uh, well, and as an aside, I, I have to say, just yeah. to, uh, to pay a note to our friends at Betway, if you could have bet a million dollars that Ezzy, of Ezzy, Drew, or Dave, who was going to completely just derail the show one second into said show, it's 0% chance that any of the folks, including Ezzy and Drew, I mean, Ezzy and I, sorry, would have yeah. put a nickel on Drew being the one to derail the show a minute in, not even do his, his famous intro, so... Uh, we'll that's... get to the famous intro, but the, the real fault lies with both Alan and Bailey because I knew nothing about that. I was ignorant about uh, Robin uh, Leonard. You were reading the chat farm, but reading I was the reading I'm the pretty, chat. I'm pretty sure that that, that that this is new. Like I don't think a lot of people knew that about Robin Leonard, right? People no, definitely. This article didn't... was just published uh, yesterday on right. uh, on Sinbin Vegas, which they cover the Golden Knights. Yeah, we know there. the Sinbin folks. Yeah, we know the Sinbin folks. Uh, so they just published this article. Uh, looks like yesterday, and I hadn't seen it. Uh, and then Bailey and Alan were talking about it in the chat, and now I'm down the rabbit hole of exotic snake farming. Snake hole. Down the snake hole, Drew, not the rabbit hole. That's true. I'm down the snake hole, I guess. Uh, you know, snake pit. I guess snake snakes live in holes. Snake dens. Snake dens. Snake dens. There you go. You would know it, Dave. Yeah. You always go and check out the garden. Only slash gets the snake pit. I go yeah. to I go to Narcisse. Yeah, it's yeah, always it's, it's a first of all, even if you don't like snakes, it's a great walk. But it's pretty cool to see one of these uh, Manitoba phenomenon. So yeah, I hadn't gone before. Uh, you know, about five or six years ago, I took my grandpa parents they had never been they've lived here for 70 years they'd never been to narcisse so uh definitely we're checking out it's an easy walk around and uh yeah there's some there's some very cool snake species in Winni in manitoba i'm not going to get into it but 
if you ever want to check them out, uh, um, the, the uh, which one called Spirit Sands has one of some variety of rattlesnake, non poisonous or very mild, mm-hmm. and garter snakes. Oh, and then just before to wrap up the snake discussion, because Lord knows this show goes off the rails very quickly, and this is my fault. When my daughter was, oh gosh, how old would have Aaron been? Maybe about two. We were in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and Hilton Head, South Carolina is uh, has a wide collection of snakes and alligators and uh, exotic animals that we don't typically have here uh, in Winnipeg. And so we were out for a walk, uh, my my wife and I and our daughter and my in-laws, and the grandfather clock was not there, just for the record. We didn't bring <laughs> the grandfather clock with us, but we're walking through this uh wildlife refuge and laura and i are up ahead and then aaron stops to look at something and you know we don't really pay much mind to it and then my in-laws are 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 following up behind her and it's only when my mother-in-law gets close to aaron that she realizes that aaron is standing and pointing at a snake that's got its fangs out uh, not really enjoying the company from uh, uh from my daughter so parents of the year right over here folks that's what i'm saying we put the ginsburgs to shame every now and then Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. And for all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we welcome you to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. With Dave Manuk, with Ezra Ginsburg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. You never know the tangent. David Attenborough is going to be joining us in about 25 minutes, boys. (laughs) In any event, we say good morning to you all. Good morning to the chat. Good morning to everybody joining us on our YouTube channel and all the social media platforms uh, to talk about the Winnipeg Jets we promise we promise it'll be mostly Jets oriented from here on out not going to go back into the the snake conversation too much that's that's awful that he had to file for bankruptcy like Robin Leonard of course has not played this year at all for the Golden Knights uh so it's it's you know like the snake thing is one thing but you never like to see you know a a person any person no of course you know in their early 30s that's you know filing for bankruptcy so obviously you know he got into some trouble with his snakes or other things right so (laughs) I mean, we know Robin Leonard, look, he's been very courageous, right, with his battles with addiction and, and mental health and everything like that. So on a serious note, I do hope that, you know, things turn around for Robin Leonard and his and his family because sure. you just never like to see that. No, yeah. you don't. You're right. And I, for the record, I, I want everyone who's listening to the podcast, they're going to thank me when I cut out the first five minutes of nonsense <laughs> and just go when Drew launches into his good morning. They're not going to understand the snake references once or twice so they can come back and watch the replay but uh, don't worry folks if you're if you're listening to this on podcast i've cut out drew's five minutes of uh bizarreness i think that but the bizarreness is half the reason why people are listening to the show okay fine i'll leave it in <laughs> you gotta leave this in this was this was good quality bizarreness this came way out of left field what this is not your our typical nonsense this yeah like let's it. not forget drew that the original title of the show was the illegal curve freak show that's true exactly <laughs> we just have to transition a little bit to hockey but uh you never know where you're going to go on this program let's get into the winnipeg jets of course a great performance by the jets last night in pittsburgh as we talked about on the illegal curve post game show last night an absolute complete effort a dominant effort top to bottom by the winnipeg jets on the second half of a back-to-back situation they go into pittsburgh a place where they traditionally have not had a lot of success and they absolutely uh, take it to the hometown penguins ending the road trip with that two and one record and as a result moving into a tie atop the central division uh with the dallas stars you know i don't know if you guys saw our buddy ken weeb kenny was on hawk Night in canada last night did a great job talking to ron and elliot and they were talking about the upcoming trade deadline because that's really where the focus of everything is and kevin shovel day off of course met with the assembled media who were on the road trip to talk about 
uh, the trade deadline and, you know, to really you know, save everyone about 25 or 30 minutes of listening, what Shovel Day Off said that the key takeaway not For the record, was, it's not it's not actually not available for listening. It wasn't recorded. Okay, well, other than know. by the assembled media, so it wasn't actually the Jets didn't post it or anything like that, which is unusual. You think the Jets might post it, but whatever. Uh, oh, guys, I'll steal Mike McIntyre's tape recorder. Well, that you, actually, I didn't you steal his cell phone. I think if we just steal his cell phone, uh, which he lost on the on the road trip at least once or twice, then we can get the audio from it. But nonetheless, the Jets are atop the Central Division, and Kevin Shevelday-off was speaking about you know when you have an opportunity. You need to go for it. And right now, I think it's clear from everybody that who looks around the Western Conference, there's no reason why the Jets don't have that opportunity. There's no reason why they can't be uh, you know, one of the favorites for the Western Conference. You, you know, they're a point behind the Vegas Golden Knights in terms of the best teams in the Western Conference. When you think about the best teams, you have to talk about the Jets. You have to talk about the Stars. You talk about the Golden Knights. I mean, the, the Los Angeles Kings are ahead of the Seattle Kraken, but the Kraken have four games in hand. The way the Kraken are playing... The Western uh, Conference is completely wide open. Right. They're completely wide open. It's a, it's a crapshoot for the Western Conference. It's going to be get into the tournament, and then you're going to have a pretty good chance because right now I think anybody could beat anybody else for the most part, for the most part being the operative words there. So let me ask you guys this. If you're upgrading one position on the Winnipeg Jets between now and the trade deadline or you're you're doing one big acquisition what are you targeting are you targeting the back end are you targeting a top six top nine winger are you targeting somebody up the middle where it seems like the Jets actually have a fair bit of strength up the middle if you are Kevin Shevel day off and you are saying this is the one position we need to shore up what is that position for you as yeah, I, I, it's a good question, and I, I mentioned this earlier this week. I think it was after the Jets-Red Wings game. Uh, you know, some people I, I see in the chat are talking about Ryan O'Reilly or Jonathan Taves, a couple guys that have some Stanley Cups between them. Um, that, look, that would be great. I, I, I still think, for me, it's a shutdown defenseman. Like, I, I know that the Jets have come a long way since last year. Like, any advanced statistic has been better for the Jets to, when it comes to team defense, but I still think... You know, that's what I would like to see. And I think you, you saw it a little bit on display against the Oilers and, and the Flames uh, back a week ago. And you saw it a little bit on this road trip. Not a little bit. You saw it against Detroit and, and Buffalo that, you know, the Jets have struggled at times with skilled teams, right? So for me, you know, it's a shutdown defenseman. And, you know, I don't know what that trade is going to look like. Not sure if, if you guys or, you know, anybody watching right now or listening to the podcast saw you know, what the San Jose Sharks are reportedly seeking for Eric Carlson. Yeah. By the way, the fact that they're going to retain 18%, that was such a specific number. It's I don't high, know. Ezzy. It's yeah, well, high. They're, they're yeah, retaining exactly. a high percentage. Yeah. High meaning life uh, yes. in Hebrew. And yeah. which, uh, cor- I did think of that, Drew. Yeah. But it was just funny that, like, you know, why not 15% or 20%? Like, 18% is just a, a very specific number. I thought that was funny. But they're looking for multiple first-round picks. Three first-round picks, and I think they'd say that the three first-round picks may be a prospect as well, and that and they would retain 18%. Right. So, I mean, and obviously, I'm not suggesting that the Jets are in on Eric Carlson or, you know, that Chevy has talked to Mike Greer about Eric Carlson. That's not what I'm suggesting. But, you know, you can just look at some of the defensemen that are available and then, you know, there would be a similar return. I don't think, you know, Jacob Chikrin, for example, is going to require multiple first round picks, but you're probably going to have to give up at least one first round pick and then maybe a roster player and a prospect as well. Right. So 
I mean, we've talked about, you know, some of the defensemen, like a guy like Matias Ekholm, Nashville's still in the playoff race, but how long are they going to be in the playoff race? So, like, Ivan Provorov is another guy whose name is out there. He's not a prototypical shutdown defenseman, but he's obviously a guy that would, in theory, be a Jets top four defenseman, right? So that's kind of what I'm looking at, Dave. Like, when I when I look at the Jets' 2017-18 run, that group of defensemen is still deeper then, you know, you guys remember Toby Enstrom was a healthy scratch the last game against the Golden Knights, right? So I'm just saying that for me, that is, is the and area. And he's never been seen, and he's never been exactly. seen since. He didn't talk to the media for sure because he left in a huff. So um, look, at, I, I think, you know, I, I've suggested a guy like Sean Monaghan, I think would be, you know, that type of player, you know, who could play center, could play wing Dave on the second or third line. So I think, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with, you know, bringing in an extra forward. I just don't know if it's going to be a top six for because look at right now, the Jets have won seven of their last eight and the top six is looking great. So I don't, I don't necessarily think, you know, you need to bring in like, for example, a Ryan O'Reilly or a Patrick Kane or, or, or somebody like that. Right. Like, and and you'd have to give up quite a bit and you'd have to figure out the salary cap. But for me, Dave, that's mm-hmm. kind of what, what I'm thinking. And, and, you know, it's really tough to get inside Chevy's head, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, prior to the trade deadline, the Jets bring in a top four defenseman and a top nine forward. So, Dave, same question to you. As he would lean towards the back end, a, a prototypical shutdown defender on the back end, you sometimes have a different take than our good friend Ginsburg. What do you say is the Jets' priority for acquiring at the trade deadline? Well, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because Mason Appleton wasn't uh, burning out the house when he was, uh, you know, in the lineup. But you do wonder what a Baron would a Baron Lowry Appleton line be sufficient and give you what that. Third line has been providing somewhat, but again, inconsistently because Adam Lowry doesn't seem to have the same winger any single night or he becomes a winger. But generally speaking, you know, would you, would you want, look, folks have been mentioning face-offs and the Jets haven't, you know, been great on face-offs. So would you want to get someone who can help up the middle and provide a little bit of, uh, you know, be a bit of a face-off specialist? I mean, obviously they've got guys who can play the position, but and guys with experience like a Sam Gagne and stuff like that. Dave Gustin, obviously not so much. Kevin Stenlin, again, a little bit more limited. So would you want to augment things? Would you want to push Adam Lowry down to be your fourth line center? Obviously he would still play a lot. Fourth line is kind of an arbitrary number, but I just, it's to me, I, I would, I would tend to target more the, you know, the, and really it depends on price. Cause you can't, you can't say, look, you have to go, you have to go. If the Jets are going for it, which I understand, you still have to be somewhat, understanding that you still have to think about your future, right? Because there's no guarantee you're going to win. So you can't just be like, okay, we're going to completely mortgage the future. I I'm all for going for it. And I would say you could trade, you know, a pick, you know, you could trade your first rounder. I mean, I understand how deep it is. That's why I think the first rounder has so much value, right? Cause even though even a late first rounder, which in theory, the jets would be giving up in 2023 is still a very, you know, I mean, look, look what Tage Thompson was a what 26 overall pick by the blues. I mean, there's guys who are what about more, more recently, Dave, Brad Lambert for the Jets. Yeah, for sure. But I'm saying like Cage Thompson, at least, you know, like, look, here's a guy who's going to score potentially 60 goals and he was drafted late in the first round. I'm just saying there's, there's always guys who can be taken late and become something in the NHL. So it's not just always oh, not a top 10 pick. It's not, doesn't have value. And in a draft like this, which, you know, again, it kind of goes back to the McDavid, you know, Eichel, that sort of thing as when, when everybody was so focused on the draft and they talked about how deep it was, that's what these scouts have been doing for it feels like years now with the 2023 draft so i just think that the the capital i mean that's why i think like the sharks ask for carlson i think one of the people in the chat said and they're not wrong like it's insane that he's at at the age that he's at 
and mm-hmm. you're only offering to retain that little amount of, I mean, he's got a huge contract. He's got huge, like, it's just, it's, it's insane. But again, the teams tend to make crazy deals. Now, Kevin Sheffield off historically won't be part of, and he wouldn't, you don't need Eric Carlson on this team. So you're not going to make that deal. But the reality is he doesn't make those deals anyways. He's going to go off the board. He's not going to go for someone that everybody is in the mix for. You know, I thought it was interesting that Taves was brought up kind of matter of factly with uh you know with Weber yesterday in the chat with the uh, with the panel and so as it as in a quick aside though boys I will say I have to say I because I didn't say it on last night's show I very much enjoyed last the yesterday's uh broadcast I actually thought it was an excellent probably one of the best broadcasts Jets broadcasts I think I've ever watched because the subject matter was the Winnipeg Jets for the entirety of the broadcast that folks yeah. were watching and and that is very rare and I think it's, I understand why they, why sometimes networks can't do that, but I have to say it was, it was thoroughly enjoyable and it should be a lesson to those who are broadcasting Jets games that folks in Winnipeg, Manitoba, or around the world who follow the Winnipeg Jets are interested in the Jets. And th- that should be the subject matter of between the periods. Anyways, quick aside from me, because I thought it was an excellent broadcast. I thought it deserved mention. Um, but anyways, I, 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 dev- and I'm with Ez though. I do agree in the sense that I do think you do need a, uh, you could use a shutdown defenseman. And people are like, well, it's going to push down Villy Hainola. Well, that's okay. Like Villy Hainola's, you know, uh, playoff experience right now is is playing for the Moose in in uh, you know last season, and, and so he's a young player. He's not going to be that guy you're going to really rely on. At least I don't think yet in in Rick Bonus's system. Another guy I wanted to throw out there, boys, a guy who I believe the Jets. Uh, I'm not sure who it was reported by had interest in. Vladislav Gavrikov on the Blue Jackets. He's a shutdown defenseman. Yeah. He used to be paired up with David Savard. Do you remember a couple of years back, all the David Savard talk? Obviously, you know, the price for Gavrikov could be a first round pick. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Gavrikov, Matias Ekholm, like to me, that that style of defenseman, Dave, would, mm-hmm. would really go a long way for the Jets. Once you get in to a series, you know, whether you're playing the Minnesota Wild, whether you're playing the Colorado Avalanche, like whoever the Jets end up playing in the first round. Yeah, I mean, you're you're going to need more of a prototypical shutdown defenseman, and they have yeah. guys like the Jets. I'm not saying that there's you know the the top six right now. I think you know it, it is pretty set, right? Like we yeah. talked about that last week. You know, you, you could have Vili Hainola come in for for Dylan Sandberg, but this top six is what we expect the top six to look like. You know, for the the majority of the rest of the season, that depends mm-hmm. if the Chevy makes a move, of course. But just wanted to mention Vladislav Gavrikov. You know, big guy. You know, six two, six three. You know, well over two hundred pounds. He's a big guy. So that type of defense, but I'm not sure if he plays on the right side or just exclusively on the left side. But, you know, Gavrikov is a guy that I know was on the Jets' radar. So just throwing another name out there. But, um, you know, Johnny Taves, Drew, I think, you know, we that would be kind of, there would be the romantic element of, you know, the guy coming back from Winnipeg, you know, everything like that. I just don't know how much, you know, Jonathan Taves moves the needle at this point in his career for the Jets. I, I would agree with that comment. I mean, I think if the price, you know, look, if the price was negligible to acquire Jonathan Taves or reasonable to acquire Jonathan Taves, then uh, then I think there, there you would go ahead and do it. But I don't think the price is going to be that reasonable. And I'm not sure. I agree with you. I don't know that he moves the needle. From my perspective, I would look, I'm targeting a, a forward more than I am a defenseman. I think the Mm -hmm. Jets need one more top nine forward, a guy that can play uh, more likely than not a winger would be where I think they would be looking a guy that can play higher in the lineup. If necessary, a guy who can play lower in the lineup and shore up the bottom six, if necessary, almost a, 
uh, you know, a Matthew Perot-esque, a Michael Froelich-esque kind of guy, who, or even a Paul Stasny kind of guy, who can move up and down your lineup as as warranted and as needed. Because I look at the Jets forwards, and obviously, you know, uh, the Dubois, Connor, Ehlers, elite, no question about it. Shifley, elite. Perfetti, when healthy and confident, he's getting there. I don't know if he's necessarily elite. That would probably be a little bit too quick. But he's definitely getting to the point where it's something a team has to game plan against. And when Wheeler is on, he can still be uh, you know, a, a significant contributor. It's when he's not on. It's for, you know, when the, you know, you can see games where he just doesn't have the same legs underneath him. He just doesn't have the same sort of uh, get up and go because he's getting up there in age and that's perfectly reasonable. But somebody who, when Wheeler is experiencing one of those games, can maybe step in and, and, and take some of that burden off of him, allow him to play in a bit of a different role uh, at times. That's who doesn't, I think. Doesn't Sean Monaghan fit that role? Well, you know, Sean, like I've yeah. been talking about Sean You've Monahan now for, for three weeks because of the, the fact that he can play center and wing. Sure. And you know that the Jets love that. Like how many guys right now, like, you know, David Gustafson, Kevin Stenland, they can play yeah. center, they can play wing, right? Like Sam Gagne. You know, yeah, exactly. Sam Gagne. I mean, even Blake Wheeler obviously has played some center, right? But so Sean Monahan is a guy that if I'm the Jets, like to me, that that improves your, your, your top nine and yeah. it fits your description of a guy that can move in into the top six. Yeah. So for me, that's the one guy that I keep coming back to uh, as, it, as it concerns forwards. But like when you're talking about guys like Bo Horvat and Brock Besser, I just don't know if, you know, it's realistic to think the Jets are going to go after one of those guys because you, first off, you're going to have to give up a ton to get Bo Horvat. And then Brock Besser, apparently Minnesota is, is really after him. So right. we'll see. But Horvat, Besser, Ryan O'Reilly, Patrick Kane, Tarasenko, there's a lot of guys out there. Right. Those guys are going to cost, you know, an arm and a leg. I mean, I, I, you know, I look, I think Ryan O'Reilly would be would be a wonderful acquisition. That's a guy who, you know, uh, you know, can win draws for you, an area where the Jets have struggled so far this year, 25th in the NHL in the face-off mm -hmm. circle. But he's the essentially Jets a rental, right, Drew? Like, I don't right. know. But so is Monaghan. I mean, Monaghan's, but he's a rental that's going to cost you a lot less than I think Ryan O'Reilly will. The Jets have obviously done some successful trade deadline moves with the Blues when they acquired Paul Stasny that first time. So there is some history and some familiarity Shout there. Shout out to Eric Foley, right, Dave? Right. Hmm. Yeah. You know, in terms of the Jets, you know, that was it. That was the trade. It was Eric Foley in a first round pick uh, for, uh, for for Paul Stasny. And of course, Eric Foley's career got derailed by, I believe it was concussions, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and obviously you never want to see that happen. That's, that's no, he terrible. played college and then never played pro. Right. It just, it just, you know, I think got, didn't he get hurt in the, in the Red Wing? What's that Red Wings one they do up in, um, the, in the, the UP? prospects? Yeah. In, in, they yeah, they do, do that in where Traverse City, I think, the Traverse yeah, City Prospects UP. tournament. UP yeah. Drew. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so you don't want to see that happen, but you know, you're talking, I mean, I don't think the Jets are in the market for anybody that isn't a rental. I'd be surprised if there was somebody out there uh, with term. If it is uh, term, Drew, it's probably going to be like, you know, a guy that has one or two years left on his, on his contract. I think it would be, it would be a guy with term that fits in with the window that they're currently in with Shifley and Dubois and Hellebuck and Wheeler and everybody else, because I, you know, there, you know, a guy, it, it would be, I mean, first of all, it'd be, it's, you never see trades of guys who have four, five, six years left on their deal unless there's you know extenuating circumstances that are that are going on. So that certainly wouldn't be uh, a, a typical move for this Jets team or any team for that matter. But it's usually a guy with with you know a, a year maybe or a pending UFA like a Monahan, like an O'Reilly that you know might not necessarily cost. I mean Patrick Kane is going to be you know every team's going to want Patrick Kane, but he's going to cost you an absolute fortune because. He should. He's still Patrick Kane. 
he's still uh, you know one of the when he when playing i think he's still probably what one of the top did you say top 10 wingers uh, you well, know offensively yeah offensively yeah. yeah offensively i think you could make the argument he's still top 10 yeah. right winger defensively is a, is another story i just don't think kane fits in with the jets for a variety no. of reasons I don't right like so maybe maybe you know chevy will shock us and he'll bring in patrick kane but yeah i agree drew the price you're gonna have to pay i don't think is worth bringing in patrick kane but certainly you know he is a guy that would move the needle right like if you're able to if you're a good team mm-hmm. and you know you're trying to load up for the playoffs then yeah patrick kane is a guy that can help you and like the rangers are a team that he's been linked to a lot right but yeah, I mean, look at the Jets have the first round pick to trade this year, and it's a little bit early. I don't think anybody's expecting Chevy to make any trades in the next week or two or anything like that. It's most likely going to be, you know, at some point closer to the trade deadline. But I think there's no doubt, guys, that, you know, there's players out there. And when you consider, you know, the Avalanche are going to get Gabe Landeskog back, they're going to get Valerie Nachushkin back, they're going to get Bowen Byram back. You have to think about not just Colorado, but you have to think about, you know, Vegas and Dallas. Those teams are also going to be looking to acquire players, right? So I think there is going to be a bit of an arms race, um, you know, in the Western Conference leading up to the trade deadline. And the advantage the Jets have is they are projected to have just about seven and a half million dollars of cap room come the trade deadline, which is something that they can certainly use to their advantage. When we come back, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press joins us on the program for more Jets talk. It's a Saturday morning. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on YouTube. We're live on all of our social media platforms. Bottom of hour number one. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg with you on this Saturday morning, eagerly awaiting the arrival of Hammer. Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press going to join us to talk about the Jets and their successes as of late. A successful road trip, of course, concluded yesterday in Pittsburgh with the Jets being victorious. Four to one, a very tidy, very handy victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins. We're pleased to welcome back to the program our very good friend, the handsome one himself, Jeff Hamilton, joins us on the air. Jeffrey, good morning. How are you? Good, sir. Very good morning to you guys. I'm doing great. How are you guys? Fine. Good. Is that okay that Drew calls you Jeffrey, by the way? Like, I feel like that's something that your your family, like your parents might call you, but I don't know if, if you're okay, Hammer. With Drew calling you that, I think we should just clear that up right off the bat. Holy, sabotaging the show, just clearing this. Yeah, absolutely, it's okay. I mean, I would say that if of all the names I've adopted over my media, um, time in media, <laughs> Jeffrey hasn't stuck to the top. However, you know, classy host like Drew, full hey, name, full opportunity, here we go. I'm not, I- uh, not going to complain about that. If I can call Hockey Night in Canada the star Ken Weep Kenneth, then why can't I call you Jeffrey? I'm going to start calling Ken. I'm going to start calling him Kenneth. You can call me Andrew. That's my name. You can feel free to start referring to me as Andrew. It'll be good. Uh, I've got a, you know, Scott Billick will become a different name altogether. Mike McIntyre is Michael from now on. Uh, you you know, uh, Ted Wyman is Theodore. I can keep going if you want. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Tedley. You know, just... Tedley, I got to call Ted. Tedley? Tedley. Like, like, I, I, like I, I, that's. At your arsenal, yeah. Okay. My favorite is when you and Ted are on the road covering the bombers and you do your Instagram stories. Like yes. I feel like like I'm your biggest fan when you guys do those. Oh, they're ridiculous. But it's funny with him too. I mean, not to cut that off. Thank you, as I um, <laughs> but uh, but it's his name's actually Edward. Well, sure, that makes sense. So you know, you Ted, can, yeah. 
Ted Rogers. His name is his real name is Edward, so that uh, that makes sense that uh, Edward would be uh, would be his name. But it's it's more fun to just to come up with a completely random name that isn't necessarily associated with the first name. It can be vaguely associated. Uh, I'm really 100%. I'm really a little hyper this morning between the snake conversation and the first name conversation. I think Dave's going to cut my mic any minute now. I can think of a few names for you, Drew. By the way, if you want me to share those on air right now, <laughs> no, you can maybe save them. Text them to me later, as you we can we can discuss those off air. Jeff, good morning. Obviously, here to talk about the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, a road trip that didn't start in the most impressive of manners. Uh, the weird game in Detroit, the Hellebuckian uh, goalie effort in Buffalo, and then one of the most complete efforts of the season last night in Pittsburgh. You know, you look at this Jets team, and you know, there's no reason, from my perspective, that they shouldn't be mentioned among the top teams and in the same breath as the top teams in the Western Conference, as we've now. We're now beyond the halfway point, and the Jets just keep on rolling. So it's no longer a mirage, not that it has been for a while, but this Jets team, Jeff, just is looking like uh, one of the best teams in the Western Conference from my perspective. Well, look, if you want to go off the theory you are what your record is, well, then, yeah, yeah, they're one of the better teams in the league, absolutely. And I think early on in the season, you know, I think it was what, even if you compare it to the previous year, through about 15, 16 games or whatever it was, maybe a bit more than that. The Jets were leading the Central last year, and they were up in that in that, in that that area around that 20-game mark too. And I think there was maybe a little less believing in it just because of what we'd seen through the first 20 games. A lot of that, you know, we knew there was going to be growing pains for this team with the, you know, the installment of new systems under Rick Bonus. We definitely saw that, but we saw the Jets not only tread water, but but get, you know, carve out victories that maybe otherwise they, 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 they didn't deserve, if you will. I think, you know, I mean, there's certainly nights last year and in previous years where the Jets deserved to win and didn't win. Um, they weren't winning a lot of those nights where they didn't deserve to win. Um, I think maybe that was the difference early on. And so maybe there was a little bit of skepticism just because, I mean, even then Rick Bonus wasn't even on the bench um, for a good chunk of that. And so anyways, fast forward to, to the midway mark. And I think, um, I think just because fans are used to kind of seeing things drop off, there's always been that that fear or hesitancy to believe whether that you know this team's for real or whatever. But I just think when you look at when you look at the you know 41 games for this team, there's been a lot more consistent efforts than non-consistent efforts. I mean, of course, there's been those games. You can look at you can look at Detroit. You can even look at the Vancouver victory. Um, you know, as as games that weren't weren't too, you know, if you will, Winnipeg Jets hockey under Rick Bonus. Um, but there's been, f- you know, way more nights where they've been consistent, where it's almost kind of wondering. You still wonder each game which team you're going to get, but I think we're getting more of an answer now um, because of those more consistent efforts. And you're going to see games like Detroit. I mean, that's I think that's the beauty, and you know what 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 we do, what you guys do on the show with what Kenny and Randy do on their post game show and you know join it sometimes is that um, it's just so easy to kind of dissect and be critical of losses um, <laughs> because we've, be, we've seen such a consistent team that in reality, every single team in the NHL is going to put up stinkers. Like we saw, you know, against Detroit, that just happens all the time to ask a team to have 82 games, the way in which Rick bonus wants them to play and not have these guys, you know, kind of have nights off or off games or whatever you want to classify it is is ridiculous. So I think, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, this team is absolutely up there with the upper echelon. They, they beat teams they're supposed to beat. They compete hard against teams, you know, wrap up a good, you know, a decent road trip with a good game. Like you said, uh, you know, a complete game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, a team that's been playing well this season as well. It's just I don't see 
you know, for anyone who's looking for the Jets to kind of dip or fall off, I mean, right now is not the time. With the injection of health they've received over the last, you know, few games here, there's no reason to think that they'll that they're only going to get better. And we've certainly seen efforts up and down the lineup, more consistent efforts um, from this team that su- suggests that this second half should be an exciting one for fans. And just to kind of take your point a little bit further with another team that like you could find a bunch of, as you said, hammer examples, but Colorado just lost, lost to Chicago. Right. And there's well, still every without- night, every single night, anyone who has an issue with their team losing to a bad team, go check the ticker every single night, <laughs> a good yeah. team loses to a bad team. Guess what? Some team, sometimes even on home ice. Absolutely. And I, I want to ask you, I, I, I mean, I, I can't not ask you, I guess I could ask you about a lot of different players, but I need to talk to you about, we need to talk to you about Cole Perfetti because, you know, Mike McIntyre, your colleague in the free press had the quote from Perfetti talking about, you know, how he was vomiting and how he really felt awful, um, you know, during that Sabres game. And then he comes back and he has arguably maybe his best game as a, as a jet, right? Like three assists, you know, that line with Shifley and Wheeler was incredible last night. Like clearly, like by far the best line uh, on the ice, you know, and Perfetti, you know, started off a little bit slow, but just how impressed were you with with that effort by Perfetti, considering that, you know, he was praying to the porcelain gods, you know, 24 hours earlier? Well, it's funny, right? Because it's, it's almost kind of weird how sometimes, like, you know, I've had this in the past in my, you know, whatever, mediocre sports career, but in general, you hear a lot about it. Um, sometimes you almost play better when you're sick. You're thinking less, you're, you know, whatever. Now, I'm not suggesting he would have been any state that he was the you know the day before. I mean, I, I don't think you go from from the uh, the bathroom stall to the ice feeling feeling awesome if it, if there isn't a bit of a time frame of feeling a bit better between. Um, and I'm not suggesting that you know his sickness led to his greatness, but I guess I am in a, in a little bit. But I just I think what we saw last night was you know was a, was just a was an example of kind of what we've seen from this kid throughout his maturity throughout the NHL, we've seen some moments this season. You know, I remember, you know, there's some individual efforts, none of which stick out more than the time when we, when he scored that, you know, that goal in, uh, you know, in, in Phoenix, in Arizona, again, that, that new Mullet Arena, where it was just an individual effort from his, you know, from the opponent's blue line and then drove the net and scored. I mean, this guy is, he has a high hockey IQ. He's a smart player. Uh, he deserves to be put around, great players, you know, players who, and I think with Mark Shifley and, um, you know, with Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler, two guys who have chemistry, I think they're helping his game along as well. And um, that's always been his bread and butter has been his hockey IQ. I mean, it's, it's so funny, right? We, we, we tend to accentuate some of the, the, the big positives, like his hockey IQ and then dismiss his skating for some reason, because he's not, because <laughs> he's not Kyle Connor, right? Like he's not, he's not driving wide, like some, like all of a sudden he doesn't know how to skate, but he, he's got it all. And I mean, he's got that. And I think I give a lot of credit to the Jets coaching staff because they've helped him evolve in his, in his game, um, particularly around the injury front. Like a big thing for Cole Perfetti for a while there was, was that tendency that many players have in junior to, turn their back to a player on the boards. It's led to him being injured. He's had to, he's, he's gone through tons of tape and has fixed elements of his game. So I think right now he's just constantly in that learning process and adjusting to, you know, either getting rid of some of those habits from junior or, or just strengthening some of the, the habits you need at this level to, to excel. And I, you know, there's no surprise on what this guy is capable of doing. And when you put him and when you surround him around good players, um, he's going to make things happen. And it's an exciting thing because he's also a great, 
you know, for as you guys know, he's a great human being too. I mean, he came onto the scene and you're thinking to yourself like, holy smokes, like this is kind of captain material, the way he conducts himself, the way he handles himself, the way he, you know, he's clearly able to be coached and, 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 and all those things that you need uh, to be a good player in this league. So he's got the tool set. Um, and I think we'll continue to see some more impressive outings, but certainly when you look at what happened in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, 91 was certainly uh playing a hundred. Saturday one. morning, you're watching the illegal curve hockey show. We're live on YouTube. We're live on all of our social media platforms. Jeffrey Hamilton of the Winnipeg free press joins my yours. Truly Andrew Mendel, David Manuk, and Ezra door Ginsburg. Uh, as we're talking about the Winnipeg jets, you know, Jeff, we're still six weeks away from the trade deadline. And I could very easily ask you about that, but I don't know that there's a bigger mid-season acquisition than Nikolai Ehlers right now. And, you know, he's only played four games since his return from sports hernia surgery, three goals, five assists. But I don't know about you, but even I'm impressed. And, you know, the Dubois and, and uh, Connor line, you know, anybody you pair with them has been doing well. You put a guy with Ehlers' talent on it, it's going to only go that much greater for that trio. But are you even a little bit surprised by how good he's been since his return, because we know that that's the type of surgery that could slow one down. He doesn't appear to be slowed down. And, you know, in terms of Jets, everyone's clamoring, especially when they were kind of in that little bit of a free fall. Obviously, they've now won six or seven. Every trade, trade, trade. Well, I don't know that you're going to get a better player in a trade than Nikolai Ehlers right now. Well, yeah, I think for a long time there, I think there was some major doubt that Nikolai Ehlers was was necessarily for sure coming back when he came back. I think for a for a while there it was touch and go, and and certainly trying to figure out his comfort level with uh, you know with a an injury, if you will, that's not unique to the league, but it's unique in your recovery. And that you know it's you, you kind of have to give it its full time. So to, I mean that's just a nice transition to to your answer as far as like was it a surprise? I don't know if surprised is the right word, just because we've seen this guy. Um, you know, we, we've seen what Nikolai Ehlers is capable of at this league. We've seen what his speed can do we see individually, right? I mean, when you, when you put him with a solid line, good things are going to happen. We've seen that in the past. And so I don't know if it was surprise, but I would say, like, you know, when you watched his first game, you could tell he was missing hockey. You know, you could tell he was, you know, he wanted to kind of make up for all those games in, in one game. And, you know, you got to get A back to game shape, which we saw a, a few times in his first game back. You know, it's just kind of looked like he was injured while well, he was just gasping for breath uh, <laughs> because it's, you know, you, you can work out with the trainers. You can do all the, the, the physical contact to get you ready for a game, but you can't replicate a game situation. So those, you know, as much as you work out those muscles, there's just something about, you know, the intensity of a game and how, you know, and, and, and how you use those muscles that uh, that tend to give you a rough time at the beginning. So as much as it was a rough, maybe, I don't want to even call it a rough start, maybe just a, you know, a, a start you'd expect, a bit of a slower one or whatever, uh, he's just hit the ground running. I mean, that, that, and I think what's what's been, you know, obvious over the last couple games is the chemistry that he's brewing with that top line. I mean, they know where the, they know where each other are. I mean, this is, uh, this is, I think, you know, to your point, before about the trade deadline and, and you know people kind of clamoring for for help after all those guys went down I you know I think yeah Nikolai Ehlers was always going to be that almost trade deadline acquisition given how long he was out and I think the expectation was for him to get back to the player he was but there's no guarantee that that was going to happen immediately or at least not as fast as it is so I'm certainly you know surprised no absolutely impressed for sure with just what we've seen within the last few games.
Well, let's talk about the trade deadline, Jeff. I'm not sure if you saw our opening segment, but that's what we were discussing. You know, if you had to pick one position of priority, you know, based on what Kevin Shoveldayoff said earlier this week, it sounds like the Jets are going to be active. The Jets are going to be uh, a buyer come trade deadline day. And that's no surprise, of course, given where they currently are in the standings and given, you know, the roster and, and salary cap situation that they that's advantageous for them. If you're picking one position, what position are the Winnipeg Jets upgrading between now and the deadline? Hmm. So it's an interesting question. What do I think is going to happen versus what do I think should happen are a couple different answers. I you think can, you can answer both if you want. I think, you know, personally, and I don't know, I just think they need to add to the defense. I think we've seen some, you know, some salt. I mean, obviously we've seen some solid efforts uh, with the defense. I mean, I think this is a team that's been trying to add to their defense from the beginning. Right. I mean, and which is interesting when you talk about how many excess players they had on the blue line and that you're surprised they weren't shipping guys the other way. So that, that comes as part of it. Um, But I don't know if that's, I mean, when you look at some of the when you look at some of the names that are out there, you look at some of the, the the trade baits out there. Like, you know, I look at a guy like John Klingberg, right? Adding more offense. Well, I don't think he really, you know, there's lots of talk about him not, you know, gelling well with with uh, with Rick Bonus or them having, you know, their differences or whatever. But I mean, he was also there for years. I mean, you look at a guy like Anthony Duclair, and and it's not even that I think, you know, I think some people are going to disagree with with necessarily, you know, might look for more offensive power, more to round out some of those, those forward lines. But this, the defense is, is the ultimate piece. I mean, besides a goalie, you obviously need a goalie to help you out in the playoffs, but the deep, I think, you know, championship teams are built through the blue line out and, you know, we've seen some, some good efforts, but I think that that's right now to me is the Jets kind of Achilles heel is their depth on defense. And if you can bring another notable guy in, a guy who can, a top four, a guy who can log. And again, this is nearly impossible to get a guy who can log 25 minutes in a game. Um, that's going to turn this, you know, with the offensive power this team has and the structure that they've, you know, they've put in place. I think that's going to be the, you know, the, the, the biggest, uh, that would be the biggest piece or the massive, uh, you know, improvement I think would be, would put this team over the top. That being said, I think we're looking more at a forward, forward additions i think there's going to be some depth there i do i really do have this feeling um that the jets are going to go after jonathan taves hmm. uh i really do think that you know i i'm hearing some kind of you know kind of mumblings that like people are saying he doesn't want to come back to winnipeg that's not what i'm hearing i'm hearing this is an opportunity for him um you know that i don't think he would have viewed years ago in his tenure you know i think this is if i don't see it as a permanent landing spot i see this as a as an improvement particularly in the and in, in the face-off dot now i'm not advocating for this call i just i feel like that that's where it's kind of trending we've seen we've seen the comfort that kevin shevelayoff has with the with the chicago blackhawks and making deals um there is that winnipeg connection that again i don't know um that I don't know is would have been all that appetizing before in his career. But we also know that Rick bonus, you know, has puts a lot of emphasis on face-off wins. And that's what Jonathan Taves, I think would bring to this team, obviously would bring experience. Um, but, but the, the jets forwards, I mean, they're just, the jets just aren't very good in the, in the face-off dot. And so I think that would be a, a possibility, but you know, like, I mean, obviously if you want to get into some of the, you know, sexier picks, if you will. Like I, I, I did listen to your segment off the top, and you know, while it would be great for the Jets, I think it would be a great landing spot for for you know for both sides in, in getting a guy like Bo Horvat. Um, 
I just think it's going to be tough for this team to to enter that enter those kind of like negotiations and be the team that comes out of it. I mean, it would be almost a victory, if you will, if they were sec if the second team, if they just lost out, it feels I mean, <laughs> not you know, I know that's you know, that's not a great way to view it. And who knows, anything can happen. There could be, you know, there could be opportunity here for sure. But it's an interesting one nonetheless. I mean, this is the most important trade deadline of Kevin Chevalier's tenure here in Winnipeg. Um, and critical to this team's success, not just this season per se. I mean, obviously, this you'd, you'd be wanting to build for that opportunity when you look around the, the locker room and look at, at, the, at the expiring contracts and how many guys are up in a couple seasons. Um, you do want to make hay with that group, but you also might be looking for for something a little bit long term. We often hear with the Jets connected to trades, they want term, they want term. Well, guess what? Every team wants term. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, every team wants, uh, you know, but term usually comes with with a higher price tag. And but I think that's therein lies the the rub where I think the Jets are willing to to give up big pieces, but they want enough in return to to warrant those big pieces. And so, um, you know, there's obviously lots of other names too, like Barbashev's a name that's been, been tossed out over, you know, over the last while. And, and I and I think there would be I, I, I think in this case, I mean, it's hard to predict who will end up in Winnipeg or, or what kind of action there will be. But I would say this, if the trade deadline comes and goes, you know, we've seen these deadlines come and go to disappointment, um, particularly this off season. And it worked out. All you really needed was Rick bonus. Apparently. So, Jeff, I thought, I thought Jordy Ben was a great acquisition. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. Exactly. Just bring in some massive experience. So like, but no, I just mean in general, like you, you did, you did trust this team. Now it's time to help out this team because there's going to be teams that are building, at the at the deadline, there's going to be team, good teams that get better. I think the Jets seem to be one of those clubs to stay in the mix and really have a you know a real shot here. Clearly, they've put in the the pieces and they played the right way through half a season. It's you know it's depending on what they can do this second half. If they can if they can retool, if you will, add a couple key pieces, this could be a very dangerous team come the spring. Well, speaking of dangerous, Johnny Taves. I, I mean, the more I listen to you talk about Johnny Taves, it makes a lot of sense, right? And I mentioned this to Drew, right? Like that would be, you know, almost romantic, right? Like Johnny Taves finishing off his career in the city that he was born, right? And if you could go Shifley, Dubois, Taves, Lowry up the middle, I mean, David Gustafson might have to play wing in that scenario, but uh, you know, that would just be incredible one to four center depth. So, and he's in the last year of his contract. I don't know if. If you mentioned that, I know you know that, Hammer, yeah. but so I mean, Taves makes a lot more sense for the Jets than for me, like Patrick Kane, for example, or or Eric Carlson, who you're going to have to give up even more to acquire, right? But regardless of, of you know, who the Jets acquire or what position, you know, they, they isolate in terms of, you know, where they feel like their depth needs to be better, don't you look at the Western Conference? Like, I look at the Western Conference, and for me, one of the reasons why the Jet, if, if there's any year that the Jets should be going in, Hammer, it's because of how wide open the Western Conference is. Like, yes, the Vegas Golden, Vegas Golden Knights are arguably the best team in the Western Conference right now, but the Colorado Avalanche are in serious danger of missing the playoffs. I don't think they are going to miss the playoffs. I think once they get healthier and they get guys like Valerie Nachushkin back and Bo Byram and Gabe Landeskog, I, I feel like you know Colorado's going to have a serious push and they're going to make the playoffs. They might even bring in a guy like, you know, Bo, Bo Horvat is a guy that's been linked to the Avalanche. But right. isn't that a reason why, in, in addition to the fact that you've got guys like, you know, Hellebuck and, and Shifley and Dubois on ex expiring contracts, isn't that a, the main argument why you go for it? Because the Western Conference is maybe more wide open than it's been in a long time. 
Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, and it's, I, I think the, the, the corner offices over in, in true Northland, I think they're thinking the exact same thing. I mean, this isn't because the, I mean, you look around the league, um, you look around the, you know, the Western conference and you even ask the, you know, the, the average educated fan, like who's going to come out of the West, who they're going to pick out of the West. A lot of teams, a lot of people are still picking the avalanche despite not, <laughs> you know, despite not being in a playoff spot. Like that's just, that's just the fact that, they're a good team. They're an experienced team. Uh, they've obviously gone, you know, dealt with injuries. I don't think Winnipeggers or Winnipeg fans need to care, you know, are going to shed a tear for that given what we've seen in Winnipeg here. But, um, you know, you know they're going to be a good team, but it just speaks to, like, as, as you said, as, like, just the wide openness of this of this Western Conference. I mean, even even the team that, you know, is coaching, that, that your coach coached last year is leading your division. It's just like, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, is anyone really scared of Dallas? Like, not really. I mean, the Jets haven't had a ton of success against Vegas this year, but Vegas doesn't feel like they're, you know, unbeatable. Everyone, you know, and and I think if, if, if we would be talking here and, and Colorado would be living up to their expectations and, and would be in first place right now in the Central, we'd all be talking about how impossible it would be for the Jets to surpass these guys. These are the reigning champs. These are the whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think – if you're looking at all the things, you know, um, you know, all the reasons, all the motivations that the, that Kevin Chevalier and the Jets have for, for, you know, adding key pieces and trying to build a, a team and give away, you know, future assets and, and whatnot to build a, a winner today, all, there was already enough there, right? There was enough with the talent, the pieces they have, they have, you know, they have the piece in, in net, they have the, the ability to score, their defense is improved, their systems are improved. Um, they have guys on expiring contracts here where you want to show them that things are good here. I still find that to be a fascinating situation because it feels like a lose-lose for Winnipeg because if these players have a really, really good couple of years, they're going to be coveted by the entire league. And if they have a really bad couple of years, they're going to want to change the scenery, but we can get into that some other time or later. But you have all those pieces. It's just another factor into why this year could be a special one for you is the fact that the West doesn't have any, you know, like clear cut contender or clear cut team that that anyone around the league, I'd argue, in a playoff spot's looking at and being like, this is impossible, um, you know, to to win or or to beat or to have that kind of mental hurdle that some teams have when they, you know, they've dominated throughout the year and you got to play them in the, you know, a winner a winner go home series. Five minutes before the top of the hour, Saturday morning, you're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg, joined by Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press discussing the Winnipeg Jets. You know, Jeff, uh, yesterday was game 43 for the Jets, but 41, of course, is the midpoint of the season. When you hit, when the Jets hit that midpoint, what were your reflections? What was your biggest storyline? What was the thing that, you know, when you thought of, when you reflected, when you thought about the team at the preseason, and now at the game 41 mark, what was the kind of the biggest storyline for you uh, at the midway point of the 22-23 season? A uh, couple things. I say at the top of that list has to be the play of, of, of um, you know, Connor Hellebuck. I don't think that, I don't think again, like, you know, the word, I don't think anyone's surprised to see Connor Hellebuck play the way he's playing this year. Just when you looked at what he went through last season, how much this team relied on him last year, um, you know, to little success. Him coming in this season, I think, you know, much like he rebounds back from a, you know, a, a tough game. Connor Halbuck proved, proved this season he's he can bounce back from a tough year. Um, you know, there's obviously other factors at play. I mean, he was a new father. There was obviously a lot of the frustration and tension that comes with COVID and his protocols and all those things. That was tougher on 
tough on a lot of players, Hellbuck included. Um, you know, I think there was reason to see an improvement this year, an upgrade, but I just don't know to the level. I mean, you look at a lot, you know, the Jets are averaging among the most shots against in the league. They're, you know, they're a team that, you know, is, is just relied on, you know, throughout, you talk about that early stretch of games where the Jets were able to, you know, stay atop the central division, despite not really deserving a lot of those victories or playing within the structure that they, that Rick Bonus wanted them to play. That was all Connor Hellebuck for a lot of it. I mean, nothing to take away from David Riddick. He also had come in and, and, uh, and helped uh, bail out his team in, in certain instances as well. But Connor Hellebuck's been the, been the bread and, and, and butter of this team. And, and it's going to be a big reason for their success down the stretch here and into the playoffs. I mean, if you can get into the playoffs and you have a goalie like Connor Hellebuck playing the way Connor Hellebuck's been playing, there's no reason he can't steal a series uh, for you. And I mean, that's often what you need out of your, your goaltender is to steal a series, which is usually the second or third one, not the first. And so um, certainly Connor Hellbuck, and I'd say, I, I, I guess, a, a, you know, a close second would be just the level of consistency of the Jets forward stars. You know, Mark Shifley's come out and played a significant, you know, like a lot of guys who were, who were pissed off and, and, you know, visibly upset at the end of last season to come in and, and you really just answer the bell, like improve in, in all aspects. And I put Mark Shifley there. I mean, Kyle Connor had a slow start as far as scoring goals, but um, certainly has, has found his way and back up to that clip of averaging more than 40 goals this year, potentially. Um, and then you, you just look at the consistent, I mean, obviously Nikolai Ehlers coming back late, but far too often last year, Pierre-Luc Dubois, another one, obviously the way he's playing and, 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 and uh, you know, I don't want to say redefining his game, but he's constantly evolving within in that power forward, that modern day power forward in the NHL. And so anyways, this roundabout way of saying that it's just more guys are coming up consistently. So it's not like Mark Shifley's, you know, shining this game. And then it's Pierre-Luc Dubois shining this game. And then it's Kyle Connor taking over this game. And it's some, and sometimes it's almost enough to win, but in far more occasions, it was almost just enough to barely lose. So it was, you know, to see more of those consistent efforts night in, night out from the, the, the Jets' top guns, the highest paid players, I think is the biggest difference, um, you know, among the biggest differences this year behind the play of Connor Hellebuck and the fact that he's, you know, more often than not played a very, very key role in, uh, in this team's success this year. A successful Winnipeg Jets road trip, a successful visit from Lord Jeffrey of Hamilton here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Jeff, thanks so much for doing this, buddy. We'll let you get on with the weekend, and we'll do it again real soon. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on, and we'll, we'll, we'll chat soon. There he goes. Thanks, Jeff Cameron. Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Jeff is royalty. Were... It's good that you called him by his formal title well, because know, he exactly. is a part of the royal family. His formal title, Lord Jeffrey of Hamilton, of course, yes. Shouldn't uh, it be Lord Jeffrey of Ottawa, though? Why? Because he's from Ottawa. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Little known fact. <laughs> Look at you. Breaking news here on the Illegal Curve Hockey. Or he might have just gone to school in Ottawa. I can't remember. It's one of the two. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure Jeff grew up in Winnipeg and he's from yeah. Winnipeg, but... He, you know, hey, he, hey Dave, if, if, if you want to believe that he's from Ottawa, then, then go ahead. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he has family in Ottawa. Dave, I got a snake Ottawa, farm. I, I got a snake farm to sell you. <laughs> what kind of snakes do you have on that farm, Drew? Uh, I really don't anacondas. Know. Uh, you'd have to ask my. my you have to consult with my black uh, mama, Dave. Yeah, some, with my some boa constrictors. I again, I really have no idea. If I see some rattlers, I remember going to the San Diego Zoo. Uh, Sidewinders. I've been to the San Diego Zoo. That that zoo is is it's one of the best zoos zoo. in the world. I went to the San Diego. I went to I went to the San Diego Zoo two years ago. 
Well, it's a great when I was exactly. at, when I was at Tory Pines. No yeah. big deal. Most people, would, well, most people would say, "Well, oh, I was Drew, at Torrey Pines." Dave dropping Tory Pines. I know. <laughs> Look at us. Sorry, Dave. Torrey at Pines. Pines. For the record, for the record, I didn't golf Tory Pines. The fam did. I chose to go to Tory. I was next door to the Tory Pines uh, a nature reserve doing a hike. So all good. I hate In golf. any event, Dave's at Tory Pines. Everybody all bow to Dave and his royalty and his and 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 his special being. Uh, anyways, I'm going to talk about snakes, but forget it. We'll come back. We'll talk more about the Winnipeg Jets. Hour number two of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show coming up next at the bottom of the hour. Sean Shapiro joins us for some more Jets talk and a look around the NHL. Don't go anywhere. It's a Saturday morning with Drew Mandel, Dave Manuka, and Ezra Ginsburg. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party, even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. Big thanks to Jeff Hamilton for joining us on the program. Always great to catch up with Hammer. His insights into the Winnipeg Jets always unvarnished and speaking the truth. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuka, Ezra Ginsburg with you. It's our number two of the Illegal Curve <laughs> Hockey Shows. Thank you, Spencer, for the shout-out to Snakes and Ladders. It is and by the way, Snakes and Ladders, if you want me to go and I can get a couple pictures, a name of a horse we used to own at the Sinboy Downs. 
Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. So he's not just a Tory Pines, folks. He's also o- owning horses. And That's you guys right. are accusing me of being the multimillionaire in the uh, in the grid park. Well, for, for anybody, for anybody, Dave has actually got is the moneyed elite, and I'm just <laughs> a humble, uh, uh, I'm just a humble actor on a on a YouTube uh, TV commercial. For the record, for anybody who's ever owned a horse, you know that doesn't make you a millionaire. It makes you poor, actually. And uh, and we own the ass end of the horse, and it was a family thing. And uh, that's it. So oh, family big, big, horse money. You can you can own just one part of the horse. Yeah, they always gave us the ass, which was unfortunate because it's usually the, the head that wins the race. So the ass was never really the the valuable part. Probably says he thinks I'm being serious right now. I think that's horse humor is, is what is what is what's happening right now. And it's I wasn't going to say anything because I don't really know a lot about horses. <laughs> yeah. Um. Aside from uh, what was that talking horse? Was it Mr. Ed? Yes, yeah, so yeah. Mr. Ed, Ezra. Yeah, aside from Mr. Ed, I don't really know a lot about horses, but uh, I'd like to lo- know more about the world of equestrian. Well, that's fine. Well, well equestrian is different than horse racing. Equestrian is different than horse racing, you know. That's... We can go oh, all but it involves horses. Yes, well, you can't do equestrian without horses. I like watching the horses, like, jumping over the things. Yeah, like, big when they, when they have those little horse shows. With Ian Miller. Yeah, I was going to say, did you? I was going to ask you Come if you on, could remember his name. The most famous Canadian show jumper. Come on, Drew. I, I remember his name. I remember many a Saturday morning when I was looking for something to watch and somehow Saturday afternoon, I should say. And somehow like in Calgary, what's what's the name of that famous place they've got in Calgary? Stampede. No, 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 no. It's like uh, for <laughs> yeah, the equestrian. The, the, um, the horse park. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can't about. remember what it's called. The last time I was on a horse was at Falcon Trails Resort. That poor, that, used... poor, that poor, that poor, poor horse. Oh, they no, 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 no. It was a poor horse. I, it was, it was they shot the me. horse with Ezzy on it still. They no, just... no, because we, so we had a, when I used to work at uh, Cushman and Wakefield, we went to, uh, falcon trails and we did like you know they just put you on a horse and then like you know you walk slowly horse behind horse and i wanted the the white horse because most of them were brown but i liked the white one and but the person said like this one's a little can get a little bit testy and a little bit grumpy and he started agitating the horse in front of me and that horse like whip kicked my horse but it also kicked me in the process so that was not really fun, you got kicked was, by a horse I did get kicked by a horse. Interesting to get kicked by a horse there. I remember I was once riding at Beards Hill Park and the horse, my friend was on a horse and the horse broke its bit. You know, the part that holds it that you can uh, steer the horse with essentially. And uh, Sure, Dave, you could have said whatever you wanted there and we would have just agreed with it. And I'm not joking. The horse took off and I was like, okay, I think I'm done horse riding for a while. So you went to to horse horse ownership. You can get somebody else to ride the horse for you. I feel like there could be a spinoff show here, Jews and Horses. I don't know. We could probably, you know, maybe get that going on a weekly basis. Sure. I think we do enough shows. I'll be perfectly honest. The idea of a (laughs) spinoff. By the way, thanks to the chat, it is Spruce Spruce Meadows. That's a Ticona Polly had that one. So thank you, Ticona Polly, for that. Remember that memory of the name of the uh, of the. I believe Ticona Polly has a stable of horses at home. Perhaps. Yeah. People don't ne- necessarily think in Transcona they have a lot of horses, but that is not actually true. Horse ownership is very high in Transcona. Yes. Really? You said yes there? You you, you said yes. You decided to go along with whatever the nonsense you were doing. with Ezzy. Drew, okay. you had a pony. I did not have a pony. Nobody ever who would think Tico- that an immigrant would have a pony. Ticona Polly. It's a brittle in a bit. Oh, Ticona Pauly knows his his horse lingo clearly more than uh, more than well at least more than I do. Dave seems to be well versed in the subject matter as well. In any event, this is uh, well, uh, for the record. I will. This will be my last uh, deviation the from the show, but well, last show too. But if you get a chance, 
and you like go to the downs for the summer. It's, it's it is a good way to spend the night. When they're not even sponsoring us, but I'm happy to give them a shout out because tell Darren Dunn that Illegal Curve sent you, and his response will be, "Who the hell are those guys?" <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's it is a, it is a fun way to spend an evening uh, at the downs. You don't have to gamble. I'm not a big gambler, so there you go. Dave just likes to get up close and, and up I like close the ponies. Well, with the ponies, I like the ponies. Jets next in action tomorrow night against the Coyotes, the Arizona Coyotes. As you have you ridden the Coyote? I hope not. But uh, the Coyotes, <laughs> as we all know, are uh, not a very good hockey team. And so the Winnipeg Jets have done a pretty good job this year of, of you know taking care of business against not pretty good hockey teams. And by and large, that's what this Jets schedule has in store for them for the remainder of this month. So it's hard to believe a team that has won, what, seven of their last eight is really into a soft spot in their schedule from here until the end of the month, and then they get the two weeks off. So, you know, this Jets team right now has got to be looking at the the upcoming opportunity and saying, and pardon the pun here, that this is their opportunity to make hay before they get the two weeks (laughs) off. (laughs) Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. But you know, so the, you know, the, you know, uh, uh, you know, you got Arizona tonight. You got four games this week. You got Arizona. You got Montreal. That game against Toronto is certainly going to draw a lot of eyeballs and a lot of attention because the Jets and the, and the Maple Leafs are the two best teams in Canada. And then you got the Ottawa Senators uh, on Saturday night. So you know, we know that this is an important stretch for the Jets in that this is a real opportunity to. I mean, they're clearly firmly in a playoff spot, but they can even really. Uh, you know, create extra separation between them and the teams that theoretically would be chasing them that are currently out of the playoffs in the central division. Guys, I was buffering there for about like 25 seconds. So I, I I was, I did not, I don't know what it looked like to you guys, but I didn't hear any of the conversation over the last. It was funny because, seconds. well, it's funny because I looked at Ez and I, he didn't laugh at Drew's joke, and I was like, "Well, that was a pretty good joke." I, 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 th- I thought it deserved at least a high course ha. All and I then, saw was black screens and then the the wheel of death, as I like to call it. So, ah, like ah. Ezzy's, it looks like Ezzy's in the running for a new computer, folks. Yes, it's not just think, me anymore. Yes, uh, yes. I, I took care of business. It's Ezzy's turn. Maybe Dale Sawchuk's point is right. Maybe that wasn't a question. Maybe it was more of a statement, Drew. It than was more a of a statement, but that's usually how you guys you guys can pick up on my we statements. Can, yeah, well, well, yourselves. That's true. Anyways, as the, the question slash statement from Drew was about we were talking soft, about the schedule, yeah, soft yeah. part of the schedule and the Jets' ability to make hay, if you will. And then we, then I laugh, yeah, accordingly because we like to always, uh, you know, bring up our, our farming backgrounds, right, boys? Growing up here in uh, in River Heights oh, and Tuxedo, it, right? It, Dave Emily grew up in the North End, but still, worked, we all have worked, extensive farming backgrounds. Conversation as he worked with yes. the horse conversation, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I have lots of plow experience myself. So, <laughs> yeah, look at it. I, I mean the. The schedule, there's no doubt that it's a little bit easier. And yeah, you have a back-to-back against Ottawa and Philly on the road, and you have five games coming up after the the Jets Coyotes game tomorrow at Canada Life Center. But yeah, like it's it's definitely not a daunting schedule, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're going to face some teams that are going to be desperate, right? We talked about it, like the games against Nashville and St. Louis. Like these teams know that if they're going to make their move, it's going to be now, guys, right? Like mm-hmm. Colorado is only going to get better once they get some more of their bodies back. And, you know, when you talk about, you know, some of these other teams like Montreal obviously has not a lot to play for. They're not going to be making the playoffs, but the Toronto Maple Leafs, that's going to be a big test. That's the game of the next nine games. That's when you're circling and you're saying that, okay, if we're able to knock off the Leafs with all of the injuries that they've had on the back end, they're healthier now, of course, but, um, you know, that's going to be a big test. It's always, you know, fun for the Jets, I think, to play in Toronto. There's always a a good number of, of Jets fans that are that are living in Toronto or visiting Toronto, but yeah, I mean, like, there's no reason, guys, to think that the Jets are going to be a 110, 115-point team, and they're going to be a top-two team in the Central and possibly the the Western Conference, right? Like, 
the way I look at the, you know, the standings and the rest of the season, like I would be shocked. Like the worst I could see the Jets slipping to is maybe third in the central, but I don't think the Jets, you know, unless they go on some type of six or seven or eight game losing streak, they should be, you know, one or two in the central division, or maybe you slip down to third, you know, if Minnesota or Colorado, Colorado makes a significant run. But to me, there's a big division between the teams I just mentioned and then, you know, the Nashvilles and the, the St. Louis's like, I think it's going to be really hard for the Blues or Predators, you know, to catch up to to the Wild. Certainly, they're not catching the Jets or Stars, but everybody knows that the Avalanche are the team that you have to look out for as far as the team that's going to make a push up the standings. Well, you know, and you talk about the Avalanche, and I think let's talk about them. You know, they're, they're still not in a playoff spot, and I agree with you that you you expect them to eventually get into that playoff spot, but you wonder. Just getting there, is that going to take up so much of their effort and so much of their of what they have in the tank that you know that they will be vulnerable even as a playoff team? That said, you of course don't want to play them because they're mm-hmm. the defending Stanley Cup champions. And if they get healthy, they're going to be dripping with talent. But you know, you can only sort of uh you know scratch and claw for so long before it eventually wears on you, before it eventually wears you out. There's a reason why what the Tampa Bay Lightning have been doing for so many years is so impressive, given how much hockey, how much more hockey they've played than all the other teams in the league just by virtue of their success. Their success almost becomes uh, not a burden, but it becomes a a mitigating factor. It's expected. Like the Lightning are always just now expected to go on a long run. But eventually you would think it's going to catch up to them. It speaks to their professionalism. It speaks to their dedication that it hasn't negatively impacted that they've probably played an extra season of hockey more than a lot of other teams in the NHL over the last number of years and you wonder if Colorado is going to maybe be facing a similar situation because they don't have the depth that they had last mm-hmm. year and that's certainly been a factor for them I mean Darren Helm I think just got re-injured again yeah uh, and he's got a different injury than the one he he had suffered but he's going to be out of the lineup you look at the the avalanche roster and I know you're expecting uh, everyone's expecting you know some sort of moves there and some sort of augmentations there to try and help with that injury bug but you wonder if it's going to happen if they're going to be able to do it this is a team that doesn't have cadre anymore they've been bitten by the injury bug ad nauseum all year long like a lot of other teams but you wonder if the avs are maybe just you know they have to chalk it up at some point in time to not necessarily their year like exactly like craig says in the chat here the avs are weaker in that they, you know, the goaltending isn't as strong as it was last year. No Kadri, no Burakovsky. Burakovsky having a great year uh, in, in Seattle. Kadri, you know, in Calgary now, of course. You know, when does it eventually become that Colorado just doesn't have it this well, year for whatever reason? Well, well you're and talking about into- you're talking about two different things, right? You're talking about them getting into the playoffs versus, you know, winning the winning the Stanley Cup, right? I agree with you, Drew. I don't. I mean, look at Nazem Kadri. They, I mean, they brought in Evan Rodriguez. But I mean, Evan Rodriguez is not Nazem Kadri. All due respect, right? Burakovsky, mm. they they have not replaced, and he's a good player. You're right; he's he's tearing it up for the Kraken. He's a big reason, along with Matty Beniers, why you know the Kraken have turned their fortunes around. Right? They were a non-playoff team this year. Most likely, they are going to be a playoff team. Right? Currently on a nice winning streak. So, yeah, I, I, I think you know. Look at right now. I wouldn't say Colorado is is a Stanley Cup favorite. Like I, you know, if if you're asking me right now who. You know, is at the top of the list for Stanley Cup favorites. Both of those teams are probably in the East. I like Boston and I like Carolina. And don't forget that Tampa Bay was an eight seed last year. They faced Florida, who was the President's Trophy winners, and beat them. Right. So it's not like you have to be every year. We say this, right? You know, three years back, four years back, Columbus upset Tampa Bay in the first round. 
before they won their two Stanley Cups, right? So being an eight seed, but your point is well taken though, Drew, in terms of like, are they going to have to scratch and claw and just barely get into the playoffs? And then coupled with the long playoff run that they went on last year, you know, are they going to run out of gas, you know, whether that's in the first round or the second round or whatever, but it kind of goes back to my point with, with Hammer Dave. Like, I mm -hmm. think this Western Conference is just completely wide open. You yeah. look at the East and, you know, it's possible that Boston's going to get Tampa Bay in the first round. Or, you know, Toronto's going to have to play, you know. Well, Toronto's going to probably have to play Tampa Bay. In the I was going to say Tampa Bay, which we've seen before, right? But the reality is, like, Carolina looks like they're loaded and ready to go on a long playoff run. Kochekov has been, you know, he's in the Calder Trophy discussion. I don't think he's been talked about enough as being in the Calder Trophy discussion. But, you know, are you... You know, are you happy with your goaltending? Like, is Kochekov and Freddie Anderson going to get it done? I have no idea, but is, is Logan, certainly the Western Logan Conference Thompson is wide open. A, is Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill going to get it done uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights? I mean, you look at the teams in the West getting back to the Western Conference. I mean, look, the Jets are obviously solid in goal, beyond solid in goal in Hellebuck. The Stars are beyond solid in goal with Auckland. Well, and, and Riddick, Dave, uh, Drew. Like, the Hellebuck-Riddick comp, Riddick's been fine. I don't think that's been, look, like, no, look been, I don't think he's been a world beater, but I think that, you know, for a backup goalie, he's been fine. Yeah, he's been fine as a backup goalie, but and, and you know if you take him out of the if you take Hellebuck out of the Jets lineup for any extended period of time, then obviously the team is uh, is at a great disadvantage. I mean, you know, well, the, you, you can know, say uh, the same thing about Jake Ottinger, right? You, yeah, you can say that absolutely. You can say the same thing about Dallas. I'm not saying that they're much different. I mean, that's why maybe Vegas, you know, if, if you know, not that Vegas is in a better position than the Jets or the Stars with their goaltending situation, because that would be crazy talk. But there's not a big difference between Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. Uh, or Laurent Brossois, if he comes back up, uh, you know, in in the, from the Vegas's perspective, all three goalies are they're sort of plug and play. Neither, none of those goalies are are in the elite or would be considered in the upper echelon. So if one's not going, you can go to the other one, and it's not going to be a it shouldn't be a significant drop off. Whereas if the Jets are without Hellebuck or the Stars are without Ottinger, well, it changes a significant makeup of their team and a significant uh, rate, uh, you know, significant aspect of how they're going to be successful. Yeah, sure. I, I would I would agree with that. Like, I, I think that, you know, when you're you're talking about, you know, certain teams, there's certain teams that have a huge advantage in goal. And, you know, we've seen that with Tampa Bay with Vasilevsky. We've seen it, the Rangers with Igor Shosturkin, right? Like, I think the Rangers are a bit of a wild card for me. Like, a lot of people are talking about the Rangers loading up because they have the cap space, right? Like, I don't know. It depends what you're talking about. Like, we talked about Patrick Kane earlier. Like, do the Rangers go after a guy like Ryan O'Reilly? Like, I have absolutely no idea. But when you're talking about, you know, the advantage there's not that many teams that have the advantage over the jets when it comes to goaltending and you're right i think that's a, a huge strength for the jets and there are question marks for for other teams right like you know right right now like the la kings for example yeah like there's a, there's a lot of talk about the la kings going after a goaltender right like the combination of jonathan quick and cal peterson to me is not a, a combination that i i'm you know comfortable i think the kings are going to be you know in the playoffs there's no doubt that i think the, the not no doubt but i i think you know, there's a good chance the Kings are going to be a playoff team just based right. on where they are now and where they perform. But there are teams around the NHL, and that's not talked about a lot here in Winnipeg because the Jets, of course, don't have to ever worry about acquiring a goaltender at the trade deadline. But, you know, there's serious question marks around. There's talk in, in Toronto. Uh, Lauren Brassois has been linked to the Leafs sure. as a third goalie. They've got Michael Hutchinson there. But, like, you're, Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov have been terrific this year. And well, they haven't been as of late, goalie. though. As of late, they they started off well, which is similar to what happened last year. Yeah, for but the they've Leafs. been good this year. They've had a good. Well, 
they've got a good team in front of them, but the last little while, I think their save percentages are are, are you know close to 900, if not sub 900. But I, I highlighted that comment on the screen there, Dave, because I think it's uh, you know from Dale Sawchuk saying you know we don't need to trade for a backup goaltender because no backup goaltender is going to adequately replace Connor Hellebuck, and I think that's a good point because you've heard some chatter, especially after the Vancouver game you know, uh, last weekend that, you know, that, that David Riddick isn't a good enough backup. The Jets need to improve their backup goaltender position. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to be something the Jets do simply because there is no goaltender out there that is going to, you know, you know, sufficiently be able to step in for Connor Hellebuck because Connor Hellebuck is so far and away better than every other goaltender that he's basically in a tandem with so mm-hmm. you know now maybe if something were to happen you know between now and the deadline and you know that Hellebuck's out for the year or something uh and, you know god forbid obviously you don't want anybody to, any player of, on any team to ever get injured then maybe the Jets would have to augment the position but right now I don't see the Jets touching the the backup goaltender situation maybe they try and get somebody as a you know, as a third stringer because they're so young at the AHL level if we were to come to that. But other than that, I don't see the Jets doing anything uh, regarding the backup goaltender position, Dave. Hold on. Before you answer that, Dave, because Drew seems to think Matt Murray's been struggling. Last four starts, 970 save percentage, 944 save percentage, 929 save percentage, and he's got a 919 on the year. Go back 11 wins and four losses. Go back a little bit before that if we're just going to cherry pick uh, random dates, Ezzy, because I know that's been talked about. Drew, he's got a 919 save percentage and he's 11 and four on the season. I I know. Is that good or bad? It's very good. It's very good. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you were wrong on that one. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. Dave, go on with the. uh, the, That certainly won't be the first time I'm wrong, Ezzy. Um, no, I mean, I don't even know I'm answering the question because to be honest with you, like, I don't think it's any on anyone's radar. I mean, Dave Riddich hasn't been fantastic. I think he's he's fine. He's he's an okay backup goaltender. If the Jets lose Connor Hellebuck, they're done. I mean, like, that's just the reality. The defensive structure is one thing, but it's not going to be enough to overcome the loss of number 37. So, uh, no, I mean, if, in all of our evaluations and all of our thoughts, I don't think anyone is thinking about uh, a backup goaltender for for Connor Hellebuck in lieu of David Riddich is my own personal opinion. And yeah, I mean, look, uh, Scary Salmonen and Arvid Holm, Arvid Holm, the 2016 draft pick of the Jets and Salmonen, obviously they signed out of the Finnish Elite League. Um, they're good. And they, you know, they've, they, they have their ups and downs in the AHL and the AHL is, is one thing I think. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how they would do in the, in the NHL yet. I, I, it's hard to say because, you know, obviously neither of them have played an NHL game. Um, so we'd have to, we'd have to evaluate them when they, if, if, and when they got that opportunity, cause it's always, it's, it's hard with goaltenders. It's hard to really, and not that I'm some goalie guru and I won't pretend to play one on this version of TV, but, but I, I think it's, it's hard to know how a guy is going to adjust to playing at the NHL level. I was Gary Salmon and did have the rare as he two penalty shot saves in the third period against, uh, against Toronto on Wednesday night. Uh, the Moose, of course, didn't finish their game last night. There was a medical emergency. I don't have an mm-hmm. update. I haven't heard anything about uh, the person, unfortunately. We hope that he or she is is okay. But they had a medical emergency after the first period. So the, the game didn't resume. The game was suspended by the AHL. And yeah, person so we'll in, the, in the crowd, for the record. It wasn't uh, – it was a it yeah. was somebody in attendance at the game had a, had a medical emergency. Right. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so so that – we don't have an update there. But uh, that – you know, the Moose actually are back in action tonight against Belleville. They'll uh, finish off that six-game road trip tonight against the Senators in their home uh, starting against the, uh, I believe the Wolves on Tuesday night. So, oh, come the Wolves, Ezzy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
Not just not just between Ezzy and I, not just when Ezzy turns into a wolf and and smacking me down. But you're right, Ezzy. No, no, yeah. I, I wasn't smacking you down. I was just you're, I was just pointing out. Look, Dave, Drew, I'm not a Leafs fan, and and I, I didn't look. Matt Murray, I had just as much uh, of a concern about his goaltending, but and and you're right. I mean, Ilya Samsonov. I was just looking at his numbers. He struggled over the mm. last you know three or four games, but I think overall it's been a strength of theirs. Like I I, I think you thought it was going to take a step back. You look at Jack Campbell in Edmonton. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to argue he's having a good season. So no. I'm just saying, I'm, the Leafs. I don't think their goaltending is the is top five in the league, but I just think it's been you know probably better than we expected prior to the season starting. Sean Shapiro is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk to Sean about uh, you know he spent time covering the Dallas Stars, so he's familiar with Rick Bonus, and he just wrote about the Jets and and Rick Bonus for EP Rinkside. That's who he that's who he now uh, works for, uh, and we'll talk about that in a couple in a couple minutes. But before we do, I just wanted to touch on the Vancouver Canucks because if there's a bigger tire fire in the in the entire NHL than the, than the Vancouver Canucks, especially you know it's one thing the on ice performance. But it's, you know, on top of things, now you have Quinn Hughes saying that the organization mismanaged Tanner Pearson's hand injury and Pearson's out for the year. And because he needs, you know, it seemed like a, a relatively routine injury, uh, you know, to begin with. And now you got your star defenseman sniping at the organization and sm- sniping at the training staff and the medical uh, team that what uh, I mean, it's. You know, from the Schadenfreude perspective and the you know, the, the eating popcorn gift perspective, it's really entertaining to watch. But there's no bigger organization in need of a complete and total reset from top to bottom. Sell, sell, the- sell, Drew. They should be selling. I mean, you saw who was it recently that wrote about it? What is it? Thomas Drance, I believe. Thomas for the Drance Athletic. for the Athletic. Yeah. Like it's like, what do you like? The Jets have have really handled the Canucks. Like any Jets fan that's watched those games can see how bad, especially the Canucks are defensively, right? So like, mm-hmm. yeah, you should be, I mean, you should have really signed Bo Horvat long-term. We know that instead of JT Miller, but like, yeah, you should be selling, you should be big time sellers at the trade deadline. Quinn Hughes might want to be one of those players that gets moved, but yeah, I mean, this, this Canucks team is, it's, it's amazing that, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to be good next year either, right? Like it's not like they're one or two players away from turning this around. Like, you look at like Elias Pettersson and Nils and mm-hmm. Hoaglander and like they've got a lot of talented players there. Quinn Hughes, uh, Thatcher Demko, obviously him being injured, um, you know, their goaltending has, has suffered with Colin Delia and uh, whom I mentioned, Spencer Martin, right? But you're right, Drew, the, the Canucks are a huge mess and they should be, you know, big sellers prior to the trade deadline. It remains to be seen if they will, but they should be. They absolutely should be, but it's just even more than the on ice performance. It's the sniping. It's the, just the organizational chaos, Dave, that is really, you know, it's one thing to have a bad year on the ice, you know, it's or, or to be struggling on the ice, but it just seems like there's no trust and there's no, uh, you know, when do you ever hear a player criticize the medical staff? I mean, it, 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 it doesn't happen very often. I mean, you know, we here in Winnipeg, there was the, the Dustin Bufflin situation with the ankle, but that doesn't even seem to be nearly as bad as things have gotten in 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 Vancouver. As you, to your point, Drew, you didn't hear players talking about Buff's injury, right? Like, you know, it was covered extensively by the media. But you're right; players commenting about other players' mishandling of their medical situation is, is it's it's bizarre. Well, when 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 Quinn Hughes comes out and says that the that and his words were mismanaged, you know, mm-hmm. when you know that is just like. You know, here's a the whole situation, Drew. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think you have to delve too deep into it. I think it comes down to Vancouver is a tire fire, and it's yeah. it goes with. I mean, look at all the stuff with the assistant general managers there. Mm-hmm. You know, hiring them and firing them, and 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 putting out statements, and and Rutherford putting out statements, and it, it like honestly, 
you know what it, it smacks of? Too many cooks in the kitchen. It really does. It sounds like like every. It sounds like it's you know. And the other thing is, it's a bunch of people who are all pulling in their own directions and not pulling together as a team. That's what it seems like. And again, I don't pay one second of attention to the Canucks outside of when the Jets are, are playing them or the Moose are playing the Abbotsford Canucks. So I don't I don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to those organizations. But I I mean yes, you you can't help but hear statements from a player of that nature and think what the hell is going on in Vancouver? They're lucky it's a beautiful city and they've got lots to do there because uh, right now the hockey team is, uh, is, is, is flailing about and not having any success. And that's, that's, that's gotta be tough because Vancouver's already had enough lean years. They kind of thought things were turning around there with all the kind of success they had with all the drafting. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, with JT Miller, I mean, we saw what he did and, and his kind of apathy and, and keeping him over Horvat. I mean, it's just, it's just a lot of a lot of big question marks, and it seems like there's a lot of of uncertainty in terms of the fans. And we we look when we talked to Kevin Woodley, what was it three weeks ago, two weeks ago? That's kind of what he talked about. He talked about the fans' apathy and the fans not showing up to games and not having huge crowds, based on the fact that they're not happy with the direction of this club. So it seems like on and off the ice, things are going poorly in Vancouver. No question about it. Sean Shapiro of EP Rinkside up next to talk about the Jets and all around the NHL. Don't go anywhere. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show rolls on on this Saturday morning. Bottom of hour number two. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on YouTube. We're live on all of our social media platforms. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. And we're thrilled to welcome to the program from EP Rinkside, the associate editor, Sean Shapiro, joins us on the show. Sean, good morning. Nice to see you. How are things? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're doing fine and dandy, Sean. Always appreciate your time, and uh, we appreciate you joining us. Sean, we had to go back to Michigan. We were, the Jets were just in Michigan, but we we yes. love Michigan so much. Dave used to go to school there. It's a great state, so we needed to to bring you on just because you know we needed a little bit more Michigan content. Oh, perfect, perfect. Always a good way. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, uh, obviously you spend a lot of time uh, over the last little while, uh, you know, in pre- previous years, uh, working for the Dallas Stars, yep. working covering the Dallas Stars for The Athletic, uh, which means you spend a lot of time with Rick Bonus. And you recently wrote about the Jets and Rick Bonus yep. and Kyle Connor for uh, EP Rinkside. You know, maybe for our audience members who haven't had an opportunity to read that great article, and we do recommend that they do, we'll tweet it out on our Twitter feed, at Illegal Curve. Uh, you know, what was your main takeaways from your conversation uh, with Rick Bonus and, and regarding the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, one of the big things that I, I was curious of, kind of looking from afar at Winnipeg coming into the, coming into working on this story. Um, obviously, I covered the Stars during that 2019-20 season when Dallas went through the sudden coaching change and Rick took over and. One of the things that and that team went all the way to the cup final in the bubble, obviously an incredibly weird season all the way around all over the place. And just looking from afar, I kind of wondered what type of impact Rick was having as far as coming in and just personality wise. Like one of the things that stood out from his time in Dallas was players always told me how much Rick helped stabilize things. And when things are kind of up and down, left and right, everything like that. He helps bring everything back to an even level. And I was, I was kind of curious if, if that's what was happening in Winnipeg. And it's one thing, obviously, to hear that from the coach himself. It's another thing, too. That's why I was curious to ask Kyle. I asked a couple other players in passing, too, at that morning skate as well. It To me, just to kind of – you see a lot of – I saw a lot of those parallels, and that's why I wanted to write about it. I wanted to, to kind of write the perspective of, okay, Rick Bonus comes in, and as much as Rick Bonus can be a – 
coaches are hockey people and systems people or X and O's people. So much of what makes Rick Bonus an effective coach is the way he handles the human beings, the way he manages guys on the day-to-day, the way he understands kind of their life circumstance. And, and that was something I kind of wanted to highlight. And Kyle, I think Kyle did a good job of giving me the right quote to kind of help tell, tell the story as well. And, um, and just kind of talking to Rick a little bit more, just you get a little bit of, you still get a bit of that feeling. Like Rick's a guy, as a player, you can't help but not want to play for him. He's a guy who you respect him because he respects you. And I think we saw that a lot in Dallas and you guys being in Winnipeg, maybe know more than I, but just even talking to him, obviously Winnipeg went, the Jets went through a bit of that, like the big public blow up. Everyone's throwing darts from everywhere about the captaincy change. And one of the things personally to me that stood out so nice about it was like, not nice about the, the reaction, but like when I've talked to Rick about it, Rick has been like, yeah, I, we needed to do something like this. I went to the guys about it. I was honest with the guys about it and Rick took ownership for it. It wasn't a, it wasn't something where he tried to trample people in addition to what else was being happened kind of outside of the Jets locker room and sphere and everything like that. So I think, I think Rick is the way where the Jets are in the standings, what they've done so much. I look at just, I give a lot of credit to Rick and what he's done and just kind of being able to come in and, set a culture and kind of respect the players, give the players the respect. So they respect them back. If that makes sense. Well, let me follow up on that, Sean. So, uh, you know, a lot of the, your, a lot of the media are coming out with, uh, you know, the, the, the halfway mark awards yeah. and, and things of that nature. And NHL.com yeah. came out with their uh, list of the Jack Adams nominees and Rick bonus was not among the, the top candidates there. You know, do you think that maybe for whatever reason, I don't know if it's, you know, Winnipeg being a smaller market, which we readily admit, do you think he's maybe not getting the credit that he deserves for the job that he's doing so far this year in Winnipeg? I think so. I, I really think so. I, if we were we were going through, and I don't know if it's out yet, but we were doing our own kind of internal thing with that over at, at EP Ringside the other day, and um, looking at our ballots so far, he, his name was definitely always popping up in the first two, three names as people were talking. Like he's he should be, you talk about kind of coach of the year and you talk about where the jets were last season, you look at where they were in the standings and it, even as they've even said, it's pretty much, there's obviously a couple tweaks here and there, but it's pretty much the same personnel. It's mostly the same roster. And Mm -hmm. with what Rick's done to kind of help calm down both the outside storm of, Hey, how's the jets culture, all that stuff. And then also help kind of solidify things and, he has a world-class goalie. He's going to lean on him, but at the same time, make his world-class goalie's life a little bit easier at the same time. Like to me, he should be in that conversation for the Jack Adams. I think the one issue that always kind of pops up is it's fun. I, th- I think the national, the natural national discourse for the Jack Adams sometimes becomes too often of, well, we got a guy who's a newer, younger coach who's, <laughs> who is, or, or and like, newer younger or was away for a bit and like so rick never left and i think i think if rick had all of a sudden if rick had had kind of not gone from the dallas job to the winnipeg job people would be like oh like it's like oh well look where this came back and reinvented himself or something like that i I think people like that narrative that rick doesn't bring because he just went from one job to another um whereas the other ones like for example the guy who i covered super well in dallas and obviously in boston like nothing against what jim montgomery's done in boston but we're talking about an extremely good Boston team that if they weren't in that spot, it would be more of a story than if it would be, it would be even more of a story. So, right. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, we kind of laugh, you know, here in Winnipeg, like nobody's talking about uh, Barry Trotz, Sean, right? Like there were a lot of disappointed Jets fans yeah. when Barry announced that, you know, he wasn't going to be coaching this year, but now you don't hear a lot of talk about him. Not that the, not the Jets fans wouldn't welcome him as a head coach at some point, but Rick Bonus has turned the Jets fortunes around so quickly because it's not like the Jets are just playing some good hockey as of late, right? Like they've been at the near the top of the standings with with Dallas. I wanted to just ask you about Detroit because I'm sure we're going to get yeah. it back into the Jets and, and some other teams here. But, yeah. you know, you look at the Red Wings and, you know, it was fully on display, the offensive you know ability that they have, even though that game might have been the most chaotic hockey game I've ever seen with all of, all of the goals. But, yeah. like, I wanted to ask you uh, about the job that you believe Derek Lalonde has done this year because I think you'd agree, yeah. you know, bringing in Andrew Kopp, bringing in David Perron, Ben Sherratt. I mean, this team clearly wanted to make the playoffs this year, even though they knew it was going to be tough in the, yeah. in the division. But how, how do you think he has done with this group? And, and how would you say, you know, the Red Wings have done with the expectations? Because obviously yeah. the expectations for this team haven't been this high in, in quite some time. Yeah, and I, I, think, um, I think the expectation for this season, I think really the playoff expectation is actually next year. I think this year the whole conversation is you want to be in that, now, if they were in the playoffs, they'd obviously be thrilled this year. But I think kind of the more realistic expectation this year was kind of trying to be in that nine through twelve spot in the East. You get some, you get, you learn a lot about so you have guys like Northsider take another step. You figure out some of the other young guys, and then you're really in that spot to compete in a very tough East next year. I think part part of it is the division. If the Wings were in the West, I think there's actually a chance they're a playoff team this year. Um, but just because of where they are. I keep saying that, Sean, yeah. by the way. I keep saying yeah. that for me, like the Eastern Conference is just so much better than the West this year. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, Detroit would be, yeah, for my money, they would be in that playoff conversation if they were in the West. And so I think that's, uh, it's allowed kind of to slightly temper the expectations and raise them at the same time in a weird way. And I, one of my biggest takeaways about what Derek Lalonde has been is actually comes off that Winnipeg game. They win that game seven to five, wild, crazy game. Team scores seven goals. And, he talks about being maybe their worst game of the year and his, and the fact that he's able to, I think he's done a great job kind of setting expectations and creating a baseline that Detroit kind of lacked the last couple of years of obviously it's and this is going to sound like the overly hockey coach cliche thing, but it actually is a bit true here. There is such an importance to building that process, building that environment, building the way they're going to play on a nightly basis that I think Detroit is starting to get there. And the fact he can take that from the Winnipeg game and they go and they, they play by his words, a messy game and they win seven to five, they go and they play Toronto uh, last night or sorry, two nights ago. And it's a solid defensive game. And you look at a game and even with a Toronto team that was missing Matthews, they really didn't let up much at all. Like I think that to me just kind of is a nice microcosm of what Oland has done where you can take the and adjust and fix the why and the how, even no matter whether it was a win or loss at the end. And that to me is going to really build towards when we look at Detroit as a playoff team for next year, I think these are the type of things we'll look back on and, and, and kind of see. Sean Shapiro is our guest on the illegal curve hockey show Saturday morning. We're live on YouTube. We're live on all of our social media platforms. Sean is the associate editor with EP ringside.
You know, Sean, I, I want to ask you a Jets-related question, but I think the bigger question is is the fascination that your tweet got with respect to the cellophane <laughs> that, that media have to put on before they enter the Jets' room. And I, I will attest because I, of course, gone into the Jets' room, and yep. I can tell you that taking that cellophane off your shoes yep. after the fact is uh, not an easy thing. But I got to tell you, like, I was, I was, I was funny because yeah. I, yeah. I read your tweet and I was enjoying it, but then I actually tried to, like, read through the tweet, some of the comments in response. <laughs> And I was like, dear God, is this, are people actually responding in this real way? Then I realized it was Twitter. Yeah. But I mean, that was hilarious, yeah. the, the reaction that, that your tweet elicited. Yeah, I was, uh, to be honest, I mean, it's, it's, it's a silly thing, right? Like when you look at it from the outside, like when you see the equipment guys set it up and it's mm-hmm. not part of your normal routine. And like, I was just, I'm down here at the, still at the rink right now for the Wings play Columbus tonight and we'll, go into the Columbus locker room and you don't have to step on the cellophane thing and everything mm-hmm. like that. So, but when they, when, the equipment guy lines it up and you have no idea what it is at first. You're like, this is kind of, and then, you see, and then you see like my, like Ken Weeb and all the broadcast guys and they're lining yeah. up ready to, and it's, it's kind of, it was just kind of a funny thing. And I had like, it's, if they're going to provide it and everything like that, I, I wasn't the person complaining about it. It's just kind of oh, like, yeah. this is like a, this is something I'm seeing at the rink. I've never seen before. <laughs> and um, I had, there's it's twitter so there's a lot of reactions and pass <laughs> that went down that uh I, I i won't discuss but the one that i enjoyed probably the i really enjoyed how uh new york uh new york jets new york jets fans picked up and thought this was a real thing and all of a sudden it became <laughs> i started getting all of these discussions about uh well did the giants do this did, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, i started seeing uh questions about uh there started i started getting the uh the, the NFL kind of uh, fan base crossover. picked up on it, crossover, not even realize where they were going. So, it's it's just a wacky thing. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of funny to see. And I didn't, I didn't, I, I thought it was just it's something as simple as I didn't expect it to blow up like that. I thought it'd be yeah. like oh, a couple like a couple people see it, think this is funny, but then all of a sudden I like I went and I got I went home, had lunch, didn't look at the phone. <laughs> I go pick it up and you're like, whoa. <laughs> Let me tell you, it makes it makes sense when you spend any time in Winnipeg and you realize yeah. all the salt that you uh, track into the uh, into the room and, and what it can do to skate blades and that sort of thing. And the amount of work that well, the equipment staff have to do to, to clean it up after the fact. Well, like I move. So it's funny, like people don't for people who haven't lived in northern north of in, 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 yeah. a, in a more northern climate. Like so I moved from when I moved from Dallas back up to Michigan. Um, my father-in-law who's much smarter about cars than I, than I am. Like I have an older car that he's like, well, you should sell it right now. Cause it has no salt damage on it right now. It's like, you have a car with this many miles on it with no salt. Someone's going to wonder where you got it. So, it's, like, <laughs> it's like the Manitoba versus Ontario debate, yeah. right? Apparently Ontario uses more of the salt where we use the sand in, in Manitoba. I mean, regardless, my car is still going to be a 2013 Nissan. That's not changing. It's not going to be a Lamborghini. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, I guess it's nicer to have sand on the streets. Well, you know, talking about, again, we're really going on a tangent yeah. here. And I apologize yeah. for that, Sean. But when I was in Kentucky uh, a few weeks ago, they couldn't, normally they just use salt, yeah. but it was so cold that they couldn't use the salt on the on the roads because it just didn't have any impact. It only has an impact, you know, when, you know, when it's warm enough that it's going to melt everything. So the interstate, you know, was absolute just ice because the yeah. salt didn't do any, it wasn't able to help at all. So it made for the, our, our drive to be a lot more difficult because they don't use sand like we do here yeah. total tangent Sean. Sean, <laughs> get your winter tires on are you a winter tire guy <laughs> I, I don't have we don't get it michigan you don't get it bad we, enough yeah, yeah. We, we don't get it bad enough we get the spot where it's like 
it'll kind of just it, it'll get cold for a day or so really mm. cold for a day or so but then it'll randomly warm up for a day it doesn't <laughs> have the solid we don't get the solid base that sticks for yeah well, I'll try and rein it back yeah. in somewhat hockey related, but I, I couldn't let that, pa- I couldn't pass yeah. that up, Sean, because it really yeah. was entertaining to me and, and, I, and to quite a few other people. And, and like you said, it had crossover power to get into the NFL talk as well. So You're um, an influencer, Sean. Yes. There you go. But no, I, you know, the one thing I, I'm curious about is, is the impact the Jets are having. And you talked about it a little bit, obviously, with respect to Rick Bonus. And you, yeah. I know you talked to Kyle Connor, but it, it is interesting to me because I was reading an ESPN article talking about the Norris. And, you know, we here in Winnipeg are focused, obviously, on Josh Morrissey and what he's been able to do and having the season he's having. But it doesn't seem like a lot of people outside of this market, obviously, a little bit somewhat, but not really having the impact. So what is it about smaller markets just not having that impact? Because you'd think that it would be out there would be an awareness. And then you read articles in the national press and it's like, well, there's no con. Like he's not even he's not even I think when the ESPN did their poll, I think Josh Morrissey was like similar to Rick Bonus it was like maybe fifth or sixth down the line of the Norris trophy. And look, I know that a lot of these guys don't care about individual awards. They'd rather all win the Stanley cup collectively, but it is notable to think that there are guys who are having significant impacts on their team. And yet they're not really part of a national discussion in a national hockey league. Yeah. I I think there's kind of, I think there's a couple levels to it. I think a lot of, I think, and this is just an unfortunate reality of like, I think how, people vote on things is it's not as scientific as it should be. I think too many times it becomes people they go through and, and this actually doesn't excuse Morrissey not being included on there because if you were just scanning points, you would include, you would include Morrissey. But I think a lot of the times it becomes, you look at where, how narratives are built around certain teams that kind of carry through the season for, for better or worse. I think it's a lot of, for, if, any, if you have anyone up there who follows college football, it's a lot of the reasons where sometimes you see the flaws with the college football season where you don't, we don't really get these proper ratings, rankings probably, because mm-hmm. we have a top 25 poll before anyone plays a single game. Texas and A&M. And, and so I, I think there's, there's kind of part of that included. And I think the other part of it too, and I think it's kind of – where two things kind of work each other against each other a little bit. Sometimes I think with the narrative where Winnipeg gets credit, Rick gets a lot of credit for coming in and bringing more structure, playing more, bringing a, bit, a little bit more structure in their playing in that. And I think that cuts into some people look at like, Oh, well the entire team's doing it. So it's not as much of a Josh Morrissey thing, but then I think at the same time, what Josh is doing, they, they kind of hold that against Rick. I think it's almost a space where it's like, you find a way to argue against each other at the same time when you're looking, when you, when you kind of look at Winnipeg. And I think that's kind of an unfortunate kind of reality of, of, of how it plays out. Um, it's also at least the thing that's kind of, I was talking about some of this the other day. The other interesting thing is like, at least there's a space where Winnipeg at least has the media guys in place to, kind of fight for their guys. If I get what I say, like I was looking at like the season, like New Jersey's having right now. And I believe like it's a team where it's a market where aside from the one paper, there's not really anyone covering that team. And as good as like someone should be banging the drum much harder for the Hugh and he's not going to win the heart, but the, the, what, what Hughes is doing should be, there should be more of a media push from someone actually covering that team on a daily basis. And I think at least Winnipeg, still has that as opposed to where there are some other places where 
honestly, it's going to take like, like you look at like a Carolina or something like that, where Carolina, like, I think they're very in vogue right now because but it took a couple of years where there's guys there have got, should have gotten attention a couple of years ago, but never really mm-hmm. did because of the lack of where that play, where they stand in their own market. Sean Shapiro is the associate editor for EP Rinkside. Sean, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your insight. We'll get together real soon to continue this conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy uh, this evening's uh, Red Wings Blue Jackets game. Uh, you know, you never know when the Blue Jackets are going to show up. They they pumped the Jets in Winnipeg earlier this year, so you know maybe you'll see the good version of the Blue Jackets tonight because yeah. they haven't had very many nights of like that no, so far this season. Should no. should also mention before we let you go, Sean that people should be uh, checking out snapshots. And, and the other thing I was going to ask you about was yeah. I saw that you recently launched, launched uh, daily fadeaway. So for, you know, sports yeah. fans that are listening, uh, can you just kind of briefly yeah. introduce that? Cause that's an exciting new uh, project. Yeah, that I know trying, you have. Obviously it's uh, a couple I've been playing around with figuring out the new media world myself after <laughs> a change in, in, in the job locales a couple months yeah. back, but you can relate I mean, to that. Yes. Sean. yes. But <laughs> the uh, addition to the EP ring side, I've got to doing my own sub stack where it's basically, I kind of, kind of call it uh, my own sandbox to play around with things where, whether it's, there's, I do, obviously I still have some stars poll and readership, do some things there, do some things with, with the red wings and, and play around with just kind of basically write about things that interest me. And then, um, also if, if you're won't apply as much to your Winnipeg listener, but if you are a Dallas Cowboys fan or whatever, like <laughs> I'm working on actually a project called the daily fadeaway. Um, my partner on that is actually former stars goalie coach, Mike Valley. He and I are, are playing around with this space where just kind of the five minute Apple news style newsletter for just Dallas sports, where you get it in your inbox. It's everything you need to know about the four major teams, in five minutes, we also did some stuff with TCU football as well, and just kind of playing around in the new media world and figuring out what works, what doesn't, and uh, hoping to to stay relevant. There's yeah, a lot of Cowboys know. fans, as you know. Yeah. Cowboys fans are everywhere. There's a lot of Cowboys yep. fans uh, here in Winnipeg. I have a really good friend, Rich Duncan, who's a big Cowboys fan. So check out check out Daily Fadeaway. And the TCU uh, went well up until the national title yeah, game, but the semifinal game yes, was entertaining yes, as yes. hell. Up, up until the uh, yeah. up, up until about two up until amount of time they kicked off against Georgia. It was a great season. <laughs> yeah, that's right, <laughs> Sean. Thank you. Appreciate this. Take care. All the best to you. Thanks a lot, guys. There you go, Sean, Sean Shapiro joining us here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Great interview with Sean. Always great to catch up with him and see what quality people and the interesting things that they are doing. Winnipeg Jets next in action tomorrow evening, as you're well aware, against the Arizona Coyotes. It'll be a 6 o'clock puck drop in downtown Winnipeg. Just the one-off before they head back out on the road for the five games post-game show tomorrow night, 8.45, back here on the Illegal Curve YouTube channel. I believe, Ezzy, you're taking tomorrow night off, if I'm not mistaken. And so Dave and I will be uh, handling the reins to continue the horse talk. I got got all the puns today. I'm just firing with the puns. That is a picture of Dave's horse, or at least the ass of the horse. What's that, the name? That, I can't see. You're too close. Where's to the, the ass of the horse, Dave? There's too much of a light. There's oh, a glare well, going me... on. What is it? Well, uh, snakes is and ladders. Sne- is that Sneaky Pete? Uh, no, snakes, snakes and ladders. ladders. I thought snakes it was waggles. waggles. Oh, hold on, hold on. Speaking of waggles, Ezzy, should find funny you should mention that waggles right there. there. By the way, Drew, does Dave keep those pictures like like in his yeah. pocket? Do you like... spell waggles with one G? I didn't spell waggles. We picked up waggles. So there you go. And then hold on the first. Yeah, Cause that would, all... I agree with Drew. That would, wouldn't that be waggles? Or waggles? Or waggles? Yeah. No, it was waggles. Yeah. But, but with one G though. Right? Yeah. 
Almost almost won older horse of the year until our jockey screwed us. I was so pissed. Still mad about that. Take race. a Sharpie, Dave, and get another G in there. I sometimes will I, I watch he, back and I, watch that race. We had it, we had it won. We were gonna win older horse of the year. Uh it was gonna be, I think, the fourth, fourth um, I think it was a it was a miler. It was it was it was a it was a long distance one. This horse had it in the bag, and the jockey's like, I go, why'd you go wide? It had no reason to go wide. Took it, it had the inside rail, it was perfect, it was running beautifully around the final turn, takes the horse wide. Gets beat, finishes third. We don't win on older horse of the year. I was pissed. I was not happy. Still, right. still burns me. Hang on. Did you actually ask the jockey? Oh yeah, I went up. Went oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh really? For sure. Interesting. Oh, yeah. So you're you're criticizing the jockey. You're, you know, it was you the dumbest the thing arm- I've ever. It was. I'm still burned by it. It was the dumbest. You did. There was no reason. I'll tell you why he did it. You think he was on the take? Well, I think that he may have had a, a who knows. I'm not going to cast hey, aspersions is, any more than I just did. That is a bold accusation. <laughs> I got it made no sense, Drew. It made no sense. It made no Dave, sense. To do what Dave it is alleging corruption <laughs> when it came to the horse race for the older horse of the year. That's right. This is this is was scandalous. the horse in on it, Dave? Do you think did the horse know that the fix 2011, was in? 2011. I'm still burned by it. Did you send the horse to the glue factory, or did you send the jockey to the to the glue factory? Both. Both have gone to the glue factory. Oh my gosh, things are getting heated. When it Kim, comes just to the... so Kim, Kim saying I can afford parking if I can afford a horse. Just so you yes. know, Kim, the the all all the the Kivas family were the the was the the true owners of the horse. The the Manuk family were like I said, we were just they were nice enough and gracious enough to allow us to call ourselves the owners of the horse. But and we uh, should mention too, Dave, that everyone should download the Grid Horse app. Yes. <laughs> yes. Park your horse with exclusive grid horse parking spots uh, throughout downtown. Five bucks. I did. I did. I did go very upset. But and his mother was a mutter uh, to to answer our Cooper's if, comments. If we're going to so. have a conversation about horses on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, we have to bring up Drew's wedding, Kentucky, yes. Keeneland Racetrack, which is a the bird pooing on uh, on the rock. Yeah, we have to mention that that we all put some money down on a on a horse race, and it was raining, and our friend Neil was pooped on by a bird and then we ended up winning the race so we have that to bring that good up. luck of course it was i got married on a sunday uh in kentucky and then the saturday morning we all went to the to keeneland racetrack it was uh it was just before the kentucky derby the kentucky derby was the week after so it was right between the or maybe like two weeks after it was right after the blue grass we were drinking or there was certainly some alcohol being consumed. So the lead, the, the last big race in lead up to the Kentucky Derby happens in Lexington. That's where I, I got married. It happens at Keeneland racetrack. It's called the blue, it's called the Bluegrass stakes. That's the last, you know, as I said, the big training uh, race before the Kentucky Derby. So that was the week before. Then we were there the week after that. And it was a beautiful, it was a little bit of a gray Sunday morning, Saturday morning, but we, did win the race and our friend got pooped on and uh you know really that's a win-win for everybody involved at that point i once actually got i had a beaver canoe shirt uh i was in canada's wonderland in toronto as a kid with my family and i got my beaver canoe shirt got uh pooped on by a seagull what does that have to do with horses though well it doesn't but you just said neil got pooped on. it has to do with excrement yeah yeah (laughs) all righty the illegal curve post game show comes your way tomorrow night at 8 45 p.m this has been a very fun edition hey you drew drew no offense you started the snakes drew you started this derail train so there was ezzy and i can only jump on that and go wherever we so choose after you're the one who chooses to uh to take us to take us a slightly askew if you will 
I did definitely start it off with a little bit of a random tangent, and it's only gone uh, more uh, random from, since then. But it was fun nonetheless. And we want to say a big thank you, of course, to Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press and to Sean Shapiro of EP. That's the, by the way, that's the Winnipeg Jeff Hamilton, not the Ottawa Jeff Hamilton. That's there. right, exactly. <laughs> that's a different De- Jeff Hamilton than whatever the hell Dave was rambling on about there before. Uh, well, he did go we- to Carleton University, so, I mean, he was in Ottawa at some point. Yeah, well, that's like saying I'm from Ottawa and I lived there for two years. I'm not from Ottawa. I just happened to live there for a couple of years. Yeah. You know, but Jeff also like... has family there. I think that's my, it was my confusion. Did he answer you as he asked to where, yes. where I was? Yes, I, I also have family, family there too. Your There's lots of Ginsburgs in Ottawa. That's where my yeah. grand, my late grandfather is from. So again, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm, I'm with you 99.9% of the time. <laughs> but on this one, I'm going to have to join Drew in saying that, uh, yeah, the Jeff Hamilton from Ottawa thing is uh, just never existed. <laughs> All right. Well, whatever. Sometimes, hey, some usually we try and we try and uh, we try and straight state we try and state strict facts on the Leo Curve Hockey Show. Yeah. Every once in a while, we deviate and we tell an untruth, and evidently that was my untruth. And if that's the extent of my untruths on the show, I'm okay. Stay tuned for tomorrow's post game show where we play two truths and a lie, Dave and I, in, in advance of the Jets and Coyotes game. Big thank you to all the sponsors of the illegal. Dale Sawchuk's kids were at Rumors Drew the other night. Oh, had a great hey, time. That's terrific. Throw out to the Sawch. There you go. Glad to hear it. Tons. Uh, great week at Rumors. And of course, a great week upcoming at Rumors. Mike Cronin is going to be in town. Uh, sold out show. No relation all to Sean. Weekend. Uh, yeah, no, relation, no relationship to Sean. A uh, great weekend. Uh, all weekend with sold out shows for Sugar Sammy. Uh, you know, big thanks to everybody who makes the Saturday show, the post game show, the website a possibility. Our friends, of course, at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, Bethway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rolly's Transfer, Grid Park, and The Keg support these fine businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. If you haven't already done so, smash the like button on our YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us feedback on the YouTube channel. Leave us feedback on the Apple iTunes page. You get entries into the Illegal Curve merchandise, uh, into the merchandise contest for doing all those fine things. We'll be back tomorrow night, 845, for the Illegal Curve postgame show. For Dave Manuk, for Ezra Ginsburg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, Follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.